Hello, everyone, and welcome to Weekly Manga Recap. It's November the 2nd, and Quinn's back. I'm back. No, the, spook, spook. the Spookmaster General's lusts for puns have been satisfied for another calendar year. Well, another calendar 11 months, yeah. uh, I guess. But He, he is dead. I have his, uh, they, I have their, their um, uh, mask here, and... Uh, you know, I don't think we're ever gonna have to worry about him again, uh, Nick. I think this is just gonna be like That's right. this is gonna be like Friday the Thirteenth. Once she's dead, she never comes back. That's right. Well, you know, the antagonist of the first Friday the Thirteenth movie never came back. I think I think yeah. his mom did come back in a later movie or something like that. I want to no, say, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not 100 positive. Nothing sacred. I'm not 100. <laughs> You're like it was Jason's mom and Uncle Ben. They never come back. <laughs> uh Nick, we forgot to introduce somebody. We did. It's Naputaku. Oh my god. Look at him stretchy. Look at him stretch. He's so soft. This was uh this was a gift from Kirby in our Discord. Uh Aww. now I have my son, so thank you, Kirby. This is no. very precious. <laughs> And he's so soft. He really like he, he he stretches so well. I love him. I guess in order to complete it, then I'm going to just need like a like a, a full costume magu costume. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is this is like a hand sized plush. I don't know if you you're like I need like a parade float of magu chan. <laughs> I need a balloon. <laughs> <laughs> I want a small. I want a vehicle. Do they have any like Ford Coopers that I can I can put Magu Chan on, like they did with uh, Lugia back in the day for Pokemon Silver? Or like one of those T Rex uh, costumes that have been really popular, but yeah. <laughs> just an eye in the middle and tentacles. Yeah. Oh, guys, uh, it's it's been stuff happening in uh, the world of Shonen Jump lately. So changes have been happening. Uh, we don't have Aliens area to talk about anymore. Right. Oh, it... I missed it. How did it end, Nick? I wasn't here the past I... month. <laughs> oh, I honestly, I not without exaggeration. I'm not doing this for a bit. I don't really remember how it ended. I just <laughs> <laughs> there was the thing that was allegedly tense and they got out of it and then they just like walked away. And that was basically it. Uh, that's about what I remember. Uh, but hey, uh, big news is the Hunter Hunter is back in the magazine. Yes. Uh, and uh, wish all the best to Togashi Sensei. I uh, hope that uh, he is able to uh, work on his series and get it at the finish that he wants to give it uh, while remaining healthy, which I know is going to be a big challenge. Uh, but I know that uh, you know that there's been news rumbling ever since the uh, you know rumor started stirring that it was going to come back that he was determined to finish it, and uh, I know that a lot of people have been waiting for that to happen. So I wish them the best and that they get the a, a, good, a nice conclusion to that series that is so beloved. Also, I think I think the we're 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 gonna we're gonna get a series not next week, but I think the week after that I want to say or something like that. Hmm. And I. I the rumor is we're supposed to be getting multiple series. So what that means for the magazine right now is is curious. But 
it does sound mm-hmm. like there's there's going to be a, uh, maybe some shakeups. Who knows? There are a couple of things that I could see potentially ending soon, and we'll get to them uh, shortly. Uh, but yeah, I had heard that like the most recent winner of the Golden Future Cup uh, is going to have a series feature. It looks like yeah. so, and those always work out. Yeah. So <laughs> they're always excellent. Uh, it's not even necessarily if they're good or bad. It's just that they don't, just don't tend to catch. So let's get on to, I think, our regular series. Uh, we're going to start off with My Hero Academia, as per usual. Chapter number 369. Wait, nope, 371. I clicked the wrong chapter to open it up and realized too late. 371, together with Shoji. <laughs> together with Shoji. Because uh, we're not going to try and uh, surprise anyone with this is a Shoji chapter. You guys big reveal last time. And yeah, he's like just just the main character of this of this chapter, which is um, if you had like asked me like, hey, Nick, what do you predict the climax of My Hero Academia is going to feature? Wouldn't have said a Shoji chapter, (laughs) but. Here we are. You know, uh, there were a lot of characters I predicted that would be significant during the Sark Shoji was not one of them, but that is a pleasant surprise. Yeah. Uh, last time he had issued uh, an ultimatum to all of the mutant villains, uh, saying that hey, they were going they they were going after uh, all for uh, she Kurogiri's body in the hospital. And so he demanded, hey, you're going to be hurting a lot of people if you don't have a plan. So you better tell me you have a plan. Otherwise, I won't let this stand. And uh, he punched a, a spinner whose response is, honestly, it's a little bit funny because he's just like, oh, what his problem? <laughs> <laughs> um, and a bunch of uh, people realize like, oh, hey, that kid's got a bunch of scars on him. He's also a mutant and everything. But they're still saying like, oh, well, but we we got to save Kuragiri, you know, even if it means sacrifices. And everyone turns to Spinner's like, yeah, just just, just like you told us, right? Right? It's, it, it's for the truth and justice and stuff. And poor Spinner, he doesn't know really what's going on. He's just kind of drooling heavily. So sad. Joker. It's so sad. Yeah. Uh. But the insectoid guy who has been controlling the crowd with rhetoric and stuff uh, is like, oh, yeah, what he means is that history is written in blood and these things are inevitable. So everyone press forward. Uh, and uh, Shoji's realized, like, I mean, if this goes forward, he's like, you're just going to, like, set us back. Uh, all of, you know, those all the heteromorphs 30 years but with all this uh and uh also um we find out that all for one gave spinner more than one quirk which is very healthy uh as he gets um scale mail now which we don't really get a good look at i'm I'm sad to say. Yeah, there isn't like a full page spread really devoted to seeing the full design. You kind of get in the next panel, but he's at like an angle where you really only see like the top of his like body going down. So you don't get like the full mm-hmm. visceral shot of it. Yeah, it feels like we should have gotten a big freeze frame of him uh, just to show off this new form. If it's going to be a big deal, like, oh, he's got another quirk that makes him super dangerous, too. Um, and... uh 
we get a League of Legends uh, reference in, it's, in just full blown in the manga. It's so wild. <laughs> it is such a wild moment. Uh, Shigaraki apparently had a moment to bond with Spinner at some point while they were traveling together, which is kind of sweet. They just like talked about video yeah, games at one point. They were just like two nerdy little boys who were just like talking about like what video games they like to play. Uh, I really wish that we had just like kind of seen this conversation in full we, just to like have that humanizing element. We, we have seen Spinner have conversations with Shigaraki about video games before. Like, I, I believe that's like a character detail of theirs. Like, he's referenced character, he's referenced video games all the time. Yeah, I, I think it, I think it's specifically like, I don't know why this moment humanizes so much. One, it, it, it posits a world where the League of Legends game exists in this universe. So, like, are all the champions the same? Like, it's a world with literal superheroes. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's wild. But, like, it it, it also is, like, as I said, it, it, it's a beat of something we've already seen, but it is just something to be, like, I guess something he's thinking of. Maybe a League of Legends character comes in and solves this fight, and that's why, like, the setup is there, which would be pretty cool. And it won't... And it won't be Mundo. I was going to say, all we know. Nick, what League of Legends champion would be most likely to come in here? Uh, well, if they had to be kind of at least a little bit superhero-ish. They don't have to. Who um, saves the day here? Who? What, what League of Legends champion would be selfless enough to save the day? Would be selfless enough? Know, just, or, uh, or they want the glory. I don't know, Draven. You could say Draven. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's this weird spinning axe hits him. Baby. He's like, hold on, I got to run over that little X marker on the ground before this lands. <laughs> I lose my chain. If I, don't do <laughs> I got to keep my stacks up. So this champion's just got weirder and weirder. <laughs> Remember, it was just like, press the four buttons to use your different abilities. And it was like, okay, but we have to find an excuse to release a 275th champion. There was, there was like a <laughs> point in time where like a character's passive was like, game's 25% armor. And now there's like passives that are like reading a Yu-Gi-Oh card. You're just like, if, yeah. and then you're just like, shit, man, this is wild. And then there's some that's like, okay, this passive actually does two things. It's like, then fuck off. <laughs> uh, I was going to say Warwick, because I feel like we would get some really cool monster violence action. Uh, I keep on kind of circling around to Poppy. Uh, now, are we talking you know. about new waifu Poppy they made, or hideous monster lollipop can <laughs> Poppy from before? <laughs> It can be any design you okay. want, but but current backstory Poppy, okay. where she she's the hero and doesn't realize she's the hero. Uh, instead of she had a hammer, yeah. and that was her backstory. We made a race of small pe of like tiny little creatures, and we gave one a hammer, and that's the character's flavor and backstory. You're like, well, yep. hmm. okay. Uh, anyway, <laughs> for this form change that spinner gets uh he does get a power boost he looks increasingly monstrous and he goes after shoji swings his weird multi-knife sword thing and shoji's able to block it but it cuts off one of his many arms uh and it also slams him into the build wall of a building uh the insectoid guy is continuing to rally the crowd uh and coda who is meanwhile nearby during all of this he reflects on some of their time together with Shoji. 
and we get some of Shoji's backstory. Uh, and he says, like, yeah, you know, uh, my parents didn't have arms like mine, and we lived in this really awful town. Uh, they came out in force for a blood cleansing when I touched someone. Which is harrowing, and uh, I mean, like, <laughs> all this stuff involving, you know, um, racism, let's call it that, towards uh, heteromorphs and stuff is really not an element that's been focused on very much at all. Uh, it's kind of been mentioned here and there with, like, backstory for uh, the series in terms of lore, and also it's come up occasionally when it comes to the uh, metamorph society and stuff. But this is, like... Stuff like I feel like we should have been covering a long time ago. We're in chapter 371 of this series, and we're winding down on it. Uh, not super soon, but we're not going to have 370 more chapters, it feels like. Someone brought up that uh, when the big three characters were first introduced, Nejere mm -hmm. runs up to Shoji and is like, why do you have the scar? Or why do you have that mask? And Shoji starts to tell this story, and she just moves away she's just like whatever <laughs> like years later we actually get him he gets the opportunity to finish his story yeah uh but you know in while he's ex this is a flashback to when he's explaining everything to class 1a and he's like oh yeah you, you want to know how i got these scars well uh so he explains it and he says like look you know koda tokiyami others who grew up in cities might have read about the kind of stuff that i went through about areas in the country where there are children who bear scars like mine uh and uh ashido who let's face would probably also be one of those people she's got horns and black swara uh she's like oh the, the world would be better off without those creeps but she's like okay maybe but the fact is that you know the disparity remains we give a brief boat where Mineta feels really bad because he referred to Shoji as an octopus once and he's really apologetic over it, uh, which is a nice detail. Uh, and but Shoji's like, hey, hey, it's okay, you know, like I, I, I look like an octopus and I know you didn't mean anything bad by it. And my name Tentacle, the, the word the word taco, you know, means octopus in Japanese. You know, I, I'm I'm aware of this and I and I I'm not shying away from it. And I wouldn't want people to tiptoe around that. But my appearance and my scars, those kind of things, if people see them, they're going to wonder. And that's why I wear the mask over my face, because I don't want people to think that I'm this dark ant guy looking for revenge on the dregs of society or whatever. Uh, and he refers to another time when he was young, when he saved this kid who was being swept away in a river and used his uh, arm growing abilities to pull them to safety. And he says, yeah, rather than dwell on the bad memories, I'd rather cling to the single good one related to this body of mine, which is so heartbreaking. It's why he got <laughs> so hurt, sweet. but it's sweet. He's, he's still not ashamed for saving somebody. Yeah. He's a good egg. Uh, and everyone is very, very touched by this, and a bunch of them swarm in, and they all kind of like get covered by his many arms with the webbing in between them and stuff. And they're like, "Oh, if you've only got one memory, we'll make a whole bunch of them together." And uh, yeah, Shoji's like, oh, "Yeah, uh, I know it's gonna probably take more than one generation to tear down a wall that stood for over a century. So just as those who came before me have done, I'll keep paying it forward." 
I'll be the coolest hero the world's ever seen to give good memories to generations to come. That's so fucking awesome. <laughs> we could have had this <laughs> for so long. <laughs> yeah, I mean, ultimately we did get it, so I'm grateful for that, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess, yeah, I guess we should follow what Troji says and focus not on the bad stuff of we could have had this for a long time and focus on the good stuff of, but we do have it, so that's nice. Think about how um, annoyed you would be, Nick, if we got this a hundred chapters in, and then the rest of the manga, he's just Chad. He never does anything else again. Never does anything. Like, oh. we, I think this is probably the preferable method of just like, we got something, and it's towards the end, so there's no real fall off for him, hopefully. I guess I understand your point. I don't know. I'll have to think on if I actually prefer when series do that or go the other way around. But that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, Shoji in the present starts shouting out to Spinner like, hey, I've been persecuted too. And look, I know that the people who hurt us were not justified, but there's got to be a better way than this. Uh, and, you know, we also get flashbacks to things that uh, Shoji was like just on the sidelines for, like when uh, the heteromorph woman that Deku helped ran to comfort him uh, when he was brought back to UA. And how she talked about how she'd been turned away because of her appearance and stuff. Uh, and as he's fighting with Spinner, Shoji says, you got to think about how to make use of all the rage that's inside you. We've all got these scars that we carry. Uh, Insectoid guy is just going full ham. It's like, ah, you, you've got no good alternate solution, though. You're just. These are just the pathetic cries of your ego. You're so childish and naive. Oh my god, that's a lot of birds. Coda's uh, um, not happy. Uh, and he's activated he's... his head crystal. <laughs> yeah, he's awakened. I don't. I don't. He's psychically summoned a whole ton of birds to attack this guy. Uh, while saying, "Don't you dare mock Shoji," uh, and. Then we cut over to the fight between Shoji and Spinner as Shoji is doing a thing with his arm to make it big and gross. And Spinner, full on just kind of dumb form, just says, gross. And Shoji says, yeah, this is who I am. So I guess we'll see how that goes. It turns out for the two of them. Yeah, I mean, so this is like a weird chapter to like give full thoughts on because on like one hand, on one hand, I am like legitimately glad that we get some spotlight for Shoji. Like this was a character who I never probably would have said is like my favorite, but I've always kind of quietly liked and just didn't ever assume we'd really get much more. I thought like many characters, we get little snippets here and there, but anything else just like, all right, you know, whatever. So I do like that he gets this. I don't like obviously I don't think I'm the person to talk about the sort of racial allegories of this chapter. Um, there is like a weird feeling I get where I, I don't quite know if I dig the way this message is being delivered and everything being said. I'm not going to insert myself into that conversation. I will simply say, like, I, I wish I could love this chapter um, but I, I, I really am just kind of, I guess, excited that Shoji gets to do something and, you know, he does have this little bit that's like an admirable piece of a backstory to be like, okay, like that's, you know, something going on there. But, uh, 
And I think the moment with the birds actually is, is pretty cool where just like mm. just this dude taunting and all the fucking birds just spawn behind him is pretty cool. But um, yeah, it's going to be a tough chapter for me to really like put all thoughts into. Yeah, I think that this might be one of the reasons why we haven't dealt with a lot of this like, you know, heteromorph um, prejudice is that um, the way that My Hero Academia is kind of set up in terms of the dynamics of like their society is that the society as it exists is is flawed but generally good and when there is this huge like oh there's a lot of like really racist people then there can't be a huge focus on that yeah. without you concluding maybe this society is worth yeah down. <laughs> like my hero has continually kind of refuted the idea that there are any societal or systemic problems in its universe whatsoever and this is sort of just another one that gets added to that list of problems that just seems to be like no nah, come on we just gotta see heteromorphs for the people they are and Everything will be okay after that, guys. You're just like, ah. Oh. Prejudice is an individual decision, not a systemic problem. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. Uh, in terms of it being a thing for Shoji, I think that like his individual story is very compelling and nice. Uh, but yes, once you pull it back and see how it fits into the you know implications for the wider world and what that's suggesting, it's not as good. Yeah. But hey, let's move over to Undead Unluck as uh, yes. things are happening let's there. Let's talk about Undead Unluck, Chapter 133 Roadmap. So last chapter, uh, Ano Un was about to grab the pen when Fuko shows up and is just like, nope, <laughs> I saved you. <laughs> if you touch this pen, you would have become a negator and no one would ever notice uh, where you had gone. You had been called unknown. And of course, Ano Un is just like, the fuck are you talking well they don't say that they're a child um but they're just like what, you what the fuck are you talking <laughs> hey, ma'am ma'am <laughs> bitch explain <laughs> what <laughs> no oh wow <laughs> you know i never actually talked directly with you but geez you're a very foul mouth person <laughs> i had a lot of anger issues to work out um no just like previous loop what are you talking about and Fuku's just like yeah i'm here to stop that future from happening and Anna was just like what are you talking about you're not making any sense like you just want that pen for yourself and Fuku's just like all right i'll just have to convince you and she shouts out move and the you know a little like uma that looks like that has like the roman numerals of the table on it is you know just says right and something like shattered and they're falling into a different location. She's like, ah, this takes me back. We're in Canada. <laughs> and Anon is just like, Canada? <laughs> Why are we here? Why have you brought me here? <laughs> this hellscape. Uh, Fuko's like, yeah, this is where we first met. And basically sort of explains everything. Going through is even being like, yeah, I've been looping and I'm actually like 200 years old almost. And you actually become a manga artist. And the only reason this is possible because of your manga. And I do like, I don't know, just like, I get to be a manga artist. And it's like, yeah, you get to be a shoujo manga artist. And he's like, even though I'm a jump reader now, it's like, yeah, you got some. Uh, there's, there's very likely some gender issues you're working through right now and I support you every step of the way kid I mate <laughs> <laughs> that's perfectly fair that's fine yeah. uh, but 
uh, oh, it's just like, hmm, it's September now, not April. So the date's all wrong in the manga that you were based off of. And Foucault's like, yeah, that's why I waited every day at that same spot at 5 p.m. to prevent that accident from happening. I was like, that's crazy. Like, you, you waited there all by yourself? That sounds terrible. And Foucault's like, ah, it wasn't so bad. It's nothing compared to what you've done for me. And besides, my partner is working even harder. And we find out Foucault hasn't been able to see Andy since this all happened. We see what, what happened when she originally came into the new late, uh, the new, the new loop rather. Uh, and she was alone in the, the, um, round table and she's just screaming out Andy's name and she gets on top where like the, the sort of stone hedge like figures are. And there's a message carved into the stone for that says, I do for you. You do for me. We do for the union. Can you do it, partner? And Fuko. It's a shit poem. It's awful. Doesn't even rhyme. <laughs> Andy sucks. <laughs> you had a, you had what a billion years to think of that. Come on, man. <laughs> he kept workshop, and he's just like, "We do for union. Can you do for Boonyan? No, fuck. You know, fuck it. Just whatever. Just write whatever." Uh, Fuko just you know, as she's crying, just writes Roger underneath it. And says, yeah, I'm going to prevent Andy's unluck, or everyone's unluck, while Andy goes out and gets us more artifacts. Till the day that we cross paths, that's, you know, that's what's going to happen. And uh, basically, it's just like, anyway, I'm sure everyone will give me an earful later. Like, what I'm kind of doing is nothing more than, like, self-satisfaction. But, hey, we should get you home. And uh, it's like... No, that's not true. Thank you. I'm only able to talk to you like I am because of your help. And now my mom won't have to be sad either. Like, you've saved all of us. You, I'm going to cheer you on with my manga. Once the series comes out, be sure to read it. The title will be on. And then uh, he falls, like, into <laughs> a new room. And uh, he's back home. And uh, his mom's like, hello, my child is missing. And, oh, no, they're here now. <laughs> they just fell through the fucking, like, roof. <laughs> I'm not going to question this at all. So, uh, Fuko's just like, all right, cool. Well, we did it. Like, I guess this works. And, uh, move speaking is just like, so no help from on on this time around. Right. No, no help from unknown. Fuko's like, he's helped enough. And looking at the G liner memories this time around, it seems my hypothesis is correct. Of the three sacred spirit treasures, only the hearts information is missing. And Fuko and Juez, or not Fuko and Juez, uh, Juez and, and Victor have been trying to find it in all 100 tries and never found it. And taking that into account, the only possible conclusion is the heart only shows up in the 101st loop. And that info will likely be revealed through Crust Report. So we'll have to fight our way through it. And we're going to need strong allies to do it because it's going to be in the difficult quests. And we can't afford to have any falling outs this time. So that's why I'm going to stop all of their tragedies at the source. And Fuko rolls out this big map with a whole bunch of circles and lines and everything like that. And she explains that it's a roadmap. It contains everything we learned in the previous loop, along with the info from the artifacts I've collected in various locations. The key to defeating God will likely be the last of the three sacred uh, spirit treasures, the heart. And to obtain it, We'll need to assemble negators. And this is a strategy guide, the roadmap for creating the ultimate union. 
just hold on everyone it's this big two-page spread kind of showing where all the different members of union and under that we met in the last loop kind of are in their lives right now there's little little bits and pieces you can glean from this that are, are kind of interesting and bunny is still in the bunny suit yeah well <laughs> bunny got a bunny i guess uh bunny's gonna bunny. phil is an infant i want to make that very clear phil is a baby <laughs> so yep uh that makes me concerned for what he was in the last loop uh anyway uh she just continues like tatiana's family chakara's friends or sorry top's friends tatiana's family chakara's family mr rips one true love there's a way to save them all next up mr nico and mrs gina one true love come on <laughs> unless you're talking about like not a person by that like <laughs> um yeah uh it's gonna be interesting to see the route that Foucault takes this could definitely be a way for us to kind of focus on some characters that were very much just side characters I mean you know, the fact that she stopped by with the uh, Anoun first and it was an interesting thing to just see it was like oh yeah you know that for her she's playing on that just being kind of done which makes sense like unknowns role and everything was passing the story on so yeah. that they had information they don't need to directly be there helping stuff out um uh, at, at the very least uh for a good chunk of fuko's journey maybe they'll come back later and stuff it seems like this is also since this is you know um decades before the setting of uh the original timeline let's call it took place mm -hmm. that there might be a long stretch of time over which this uh this gathering this scene together might take place so yep maybe a bunch of uh time uh what's the episode dilation crunching we'll call it that time crunching i am going to be it's just like an exceptionally messy bitch <laughs> as this part continues i can't explain it but like the the very concept of like going out everyone to get every yeah ending. to give everyone a, a happy ending is just like it's gonna hit right into my core of my being i'm i'm so excited and prepared for it to be like emotionally devastating yeah I mean, just the very image of Chikara looking at his parents crossing the street in the moment that, you know, he accidentally killed them. It just, it did make me go, ugh. <laughs> There's a lot of that. There's so much. She's like, I want all these people to be happy. And Phil, I guess. <laughs> like, and also. There's others, yeah. Like, I guess good for Creed. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'm, I guess, well, we're going to, the one I think I'm most excited about is the retroactive, like, we have to save Void. We have to save Void. <laughs> and everyone, like everyone's like, I vaguely recall that there was another person in Union that you guys had to kill to get into it. <laughs> and it wasn't the big guy. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's move over to uh, Chainsaw Man. Brum, 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 brum. Yeah. Chapter 100 109, The Easy Way to Stop Bullying. <laughs> so, uh, last time, Yuko seemed to be on the verge of death after Asa uh, cut her with her school uniform sword, but a mysterious girl with 
what looked kind of like uh, ripcord earrings did something. And now Yuko is really huge and bursting out of the school. And uh, Yuko uh, doesn't seem to have realized how she got into this position uh, as she's like, what was, what's going on? Oh, look, little people and a school. Wait, that's it. Bullying won't end as long as schools exist. And she starts wrecking the school with her tentacles uh, and just rips through like the entire top two floors of the building, sends rubble everywhere and goes, ah, I did it. (laughs) (laughs) Never underestimate how many characters in Chainsaw Man can be dumb it's um, they're so simplistic they're all dogs or cats that have all just achieved their one goal in life yeah um someone does something to attack her i i, I i'm not really sure like what a i think mantis plot looks like maybe someone has like the yeah, praying mantis I, devil or something like that yeah you probably it's yeah, largely irrelevant they aren't hanging that. around they're dead yeah. uh they're crushed completely uh, his partner doesn't even get to do anything uh, before that's, getting that's half. you had to feel real bad for is the one dude who was just like good job Chank <laughs> like oh oh no <laughs> Chank save me <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, Yuko's like alright yeah I did it and then she looks around sees Asa uh, crumpled on the floor covered in bruises and some blood and she says ah Asa are you okay who did this to you <laughs> Oh, you go. Uh, she spots who I believe to be the surviving bully uh, from before. I'm not 100% on that, but it's the girl who's hiding around a corner. She snatches her uh, and says, you did this, didn't you? And of course, the girl's like, it wasn't me. Uh, and Yuko goes to kill her. But then Denji arrives on the scene. Just Denji in his uniform. And he's got this stupid grin on his face because he's like, this is my chance, this is my chance. And he says, hey, bad devil, let the girl go. Of course, Yuka's like, go away. Well, you've left me no choice. I'm all out of options. (laughs) I don't want to blow my cover, but a superhero can't stand idly by in an emergency. Uh, and as you goes to attack him, he pulls his ripcord, turns into Chainsaw Man, and uh, chops up the tentacle that comes towards him. Uh, and the girl that Yuko has grabbed is like, wait, Chainsaw Man? And, and she says, ta-da! <laughs> it's a weird demon guy. Uh, Yuko, uh, realizes, oh my god, Chainsaw Man's here. What do I do? What do I do? Uh, she lashes out at him to try and keep him away. Uh, Denji lunges forward, slashing his chainsaws, shouting, Chainsaw Man's here to save! I would love it if he does what we do when we introduce Jesus. Like, he's just making chainsaw sound effects in his head. Yuko gathers herself and realizes, oh wait, I could just read his mind or to read his movements and stop him. And Denji just keeps on running up her arms, cutting through her other arms, cutting, 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 breaking through stuff. And Yuko goes, you're kidding me. He's not thinking about the fight at all. All he's thinking about 
is how to expose his secret identity while making a scene match. <laughs> Big action pose too as he's leaping through the air towards her face to cut her apart. <laughs> and she's just like, this guy's an idiot. It's so fucking funny. Like this moment of like, I'll just read his mind to find out. Holy shit. He has not a single thought on this fight. He's just thinking about how to expose his identity. And that's, like, such a funny concept to me. Like, the idea that, like, Denji never thinks about how he fights makes perfect sense for that character. Sure, sure. But that he's still thinking about how to reveal himself naturally. Like, you just... And then I'll get a girlfriend! You, you just did it! You just revealed your identity! He's still... Oh, no! He's still like, what do I say when I hit the ground after I, after I kill this monster? Asa comes to groggily, uh, and by the time she straightens up, uh, uh, Yoru is in control. She sees Chainsaw Man and says his name. Denji goes, yeah. Uh, and he is standing on top of Yuko's face. Uh, she's not looking good. Um, I think she's dead. Parts of her brain are over there. Uh, now, to be fair, her brain was always sticking out of the body. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I think she's done. I think that's... Uh, it's not all in one piece. Um, yeah, she is not looking good. I'm not 100% on if she's dead or not, but she, she's Consider dead. It considering like the it. last time she was cut up, she was supposedly dead. I do think this right. is also probably enough to put her down for the, the count, so to speak. Yeah. Unless that ripcord girl also comes back. Maybe so. she will. So, yeah. Uh, Yoru and Asa have another reason to hate Chainsaw Man. Who would have thought? I, I, I do have to credit Fujimoto because it was an effective way to make me be like, I really like uh, Yuko. I hope she doesn't die. That feels like where this is inevitably going to go. And, like, having that still happen, but, like, twist it, like, you're like, oh, I'm okay with you go dying at this point if she's just going to try to murder everybody and, and become that. Like, it, I don't know. It's it's something where I I kind of just appreciate at this point the, the routine it has me on. Like, I, I see how Fujimoto writes his stories, and I can't question it. Like, I can see, the like, the lines, I guess, and I, I enjoy being dragged along, you know? It's a good story to get us where we want to go, which is to, you know, drive Denji and Asa against each other uh, while not making Denji out as being horrible for killing Yuko, uh, but also making it be like, oh, yeah, of course, Asa would be fucking pissed that things went down that way. Because as far as she's concerned, she saved Yuko uh -huh. from this situation. Uh, she was just unconscious to see that it had not really worked. Um and so it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, we've kind of got our two conflicting heroes currently, and you kind of see where both of them are coming from. Uh, and that's very good. Uh, good, uh, good storytelling. Yes. Yeah, I can dig it. I can dig it. <sighs> Speaking of good storytelling, let's, uh, let's talk about Eden Zero. No, we're not. We're talking about Kaiju number eight. You're and right. And we talk about Spy Fuck. Family. 
so <laughs> smooth the transition I had. So smooth the transition. When you started I had. with like it. the over speaking about storytelling, I was like, I guess Nick really didn't like this chapter of really... number eight. It's fine. <laughs> uh, how do I access this? I gotta open up the chapters now. I just it's fine. I'll tell you, it's Kaiju number eight. Nah, chapter seventy-three. There's no titles to these sh- to these chapters. That's crazy. And we open with potions. I like how you just said no patience yeah. for me too. Just like no, we're not. <laughs> well, I was like, this is gonna throw off all the rhythm. Who knows? This is anarchy. Uh, no. Hoshina is online now with uh, number ten, the weapon, the bodysuit, the tail, everything like that. So the bodysuit's not quite as bad as Kikoru's. No, this I think I, I think the the detail of like the the cross eye thing, like the kaiju mm-hmm. itself had along the chest plate, helps to give it a lot more personality. Um, but yeah, I guess because we didn't see whatever kaiju number six or kaiju number four, whatever one was hers, we, we just don't really see it. But don't have an appreciation for the aesthetic. Yeah. Uh. So, yeah, Kaiju number 10, as soon as Hoshida is getting ready to go, uh, says, all right, let me run amok, Hoshida. And Hoshida has to say, like, I'm I'm the one in charge here. So shut up. Let me use you to fight. Uh, and then he says to Okunogi, his assistant, by the way, why can it talk? Uh, this is <laughs> that is like a great detail. He's just like, hi, Hoshina here. Quick question. <laughs> Why did we give this suit the ability to talk to me? Because that doesn't feel like it should be necessary. Also, it can yell at me and backsass me. These feel like design flaws we should have worked out in beta. Yeah, uh, they were kind of rushed into this situation. They didn't finish all their testing. Uh, even the fact that they're using it in a live combat, they from loud say it's probably too early to do this. I do like the justification that we get for why Kaiju Number 10 can talk, which is... It's the only kaiju weapon that has a will of its own because it willingly became a weapon. Mm. So you can't just mentally dominate it. You've actually got to communicate with it. And therefore, you've got to speak back and forth with it. So, yeah, all done in one panel. So there you go. Um, so Oshida says, yeah, I, I, I get it. Uh, unfortunately, we've got to just like take this gamble because we've got to have it for what we can against kaiju number nine. Uh and uh, so they get ready to go. Uh, Kaiju number 10 makes a remark, you know, saying like, oh, I knew I liked you for a reason. Hoshida just says like, look, st- we're not friends. Stop this. Stop trying to distract me. Stop trying to throw our what moves out of whack. Uh, if you screw up again today, I'm going to die. And then you'll be decommissioned. <laughs> Good point. Uh, so Kaiju number 10 like, got it. Let's go. And moves his tail and cuts a hole in the floor of the helicopter they're in. And they drop through it. It is uh, pretty awesome. Yeah. So everyone's like, wait, but we haven't relayed the plan to you. And Kaiju number 10 says, the best plan is no plan. <laughs> I am all for stupid idiot Kaiju number 10. <laughs> Uh, a bunch of these uh, kind of, uh, I guess, swole grasshoppers, we'll call them, looking kaiju come towards uh, him as soon as he lands. Uh, the others start panicking, but Hoshida just straps his mask on 
And he says, all right, we'll talk about this later. I got to show you who's the boss now. Let's go. And he pulls his swords out. He's looking badass. Uh, he immediately spots uh, an opening where they can flank from one side where they're at least concentrated. And so he's like, all right, we're going to the left. And Kaishin number 10 at the same time says, right. And Koshino runs to the left while his tail snaps to the right and drags him back. Uh, and he nearly gets killed for it because uh, he's off balance when these kaijus attack him. He has to dodge out of the way. And he's just, he starts berating kaiju number 10 saying, we've got to attack them from their weak point. That's just common sense. And kaiju number 10 says, where's the fun from that? <laughs> uh, and it happens again. Uh, they immediately try to go, Koshin is like, okay, I got to dodge between its legs. And kaiju number 10 says, let's test their strength. Go head on against them. <laughs> so that doesn't work eventually they get completely surrounded Hoshi is like crap we're in, we're in a really bad situation here Kaiju number 10 is laughing because it's having so much fun uh, so they're completely like as out of sync as they could possibly be essentially uh, so Okanogi says like look you gotta pull out and you gotta redeploy in a normal suit this is not gonna work uh, but Hoshina says look I can't get away from these guys. They're too fast and I'm not in sync right now. So I've got to just sync up and fight them, even though his unleashed combat power is like constantly falling. It started off in like the 60s and now it's down in the 30s. So Hoshina says like, okay, look, this is our last chance. Number 10, you got to follow my orders. Look, we'll use the planes over there as cover and take them out one by one. And Kaiju number 10 again just says, don't move away meet them head on and he yells it so forcefully that he does stop Hoshida just as this insect kaiju thing is going to throw a freaking plane on top of him uh but fortunately because he was stopped by number 10 uh he was able to dodge backwards no uh, what, thanks to what that. happened is the kai like kaiju number eight stop or kaiju number 10 stops him and the creature that was trying to attack him was predicting he would keep moving. So by stopping him, he didn't run into where the, the plane was going to crush into him. Yes, yes. So he stopped so, him to save him. He's a good. He's a good boy. He's just really mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Number ten says like you avoided a direct hit thanks to freezing up. My ingenious decision making <laughs> saved you. <laughs> I fucking love Kaiju number 10. <laughs> He's so stupid. <laughs> I like, I really like this idea that, that uh, Hoshina just has a himbo fucking AI in his, in his <laughs> armor and he just has to deal with it. <laughs> From now on. Uh, but, but yeah, Hoshina's here in none of it. He says, if you just listened to me, we wouldn't even have had to be in this situation to begin with. But he quickly realizes all right, ask you to cooperate with me was a mistake. Why do I always get stuck with the hard-headed jackasses who don't know when to quit? And of course, he's thinking about Kafka when he says that. So he says to number 10, look, the fact that you ignore orders is a fatal flaw as a weapon. They're going to order you to get decommissioned. But I can't go dying here. So today, we'll play it your way. Uh, and they start to sync up. Their combat power rises, and Hushida squares off directly against uh, the group of kaiju. As number as number ten is like, "Yeah, let's do it," and Hushina agrees, we'll tackle them head on. And together they say, 
follow me even if it kills you in this cool bisected full page spread of the two of their faces together yeah this is an extremely cool introduction to the kaiju number 10 suit uh it's very fun like you just like this character you're like dude kaiju number 10 rolls he's such an annoying idiot but like he makes things so much more metal and like hoshida was already kind of the coolest character in the series for me so all this does is just amplify what was already a good thing uh i do love that this is like the first chapter of like hey this is a prototypical new thing oh no you two aren't in sync and you have to like it's it's a very tried and true sort of like storytelling device but they execute it well and uh yeah i i think just everything from like the new design to like the the banter back and forth it all just comes off really well yeah hoshino was already arguably the just the best character in kaiju number eight and now he's essentially sharing a body with inosuke from demon slayer and it's the best (laughs) it's like you took the best character and then like the sixth or seventh best character you just fused them together and now you have a super best first character it's awesome all right now we'll do spy family since we're we're going to just hold off on on that connection don't worry i'm gonna i'm gonna Uh, lead us back into it well, okay, I trust you. I trust you. Uh, so the buses uh, that the Anya's class and uh, the other classes from the Academy have all been hijacked. We get uh, word of that reaching the Academy and Mr. Henderson, uh, who I, I would not be surprised if he just fucking flies through the air and kicks everyone in order to save his students because he's great. Um, they We establish, like, who's been informed of what, uh, what's happened, the fact that this, you know the security entourage has been uh, dealt with and everything. And uh, then we just deal with the scene of, uh, I think the guy's name was Billy, uh, walking, he's just walking up and down the bus aisle with a freaking shotgun in hand while the kids are, you know, trying to hold it together. A few of them are crying and sniffling and uh, all of them are freaking out, of course. And Yes. How would four kids animate this? <laughs> <laughs> How does four kids handle this scene? Um, he's not carrying a gun he can't be carrying and these a gun. children re- can't really be terrified either not not no also if, like because to, to jump ahead and lead there cannot be a bomb strapped to the neck of a child <laughs> uh so uh i think that uh the kids would all look kind of scared, but they would all be cracking one-liners along the way. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, this guy smells or something <laughs> like that. All they say, they're like, it'll pee you, you're stinky. Yeah, like he he's actually just like walking around being smelly around them. And they're like, we can't do anything. He smells so bad. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, he straps a thing around Anya's neck that'll make her smell bad permanently, oh, just like him. Oh, a skunk bomb! <laughs> a skunk yeah, bomb! Exactly. That's awful. Oh, man. Those kids are so right there. Terrified. Done and done. Four kids. Safe for kids everywhere to consume. Four kids, if you're still out there, fairly certain you're not. Nick, <laughs> Nick can help you. It's all right. Nick's got it in the bag. Uh, I, I, I saw way too much of the dub of Yu-Gi-Oh! GX and I know what I, the formula is. I want this world where four kids is back. They're like it's it's like when G4 got revived. They're like, guys, your nostalgia <laughs> trip is back. 
Four Kids has returned, and we spent all of our money getting the licensing rights for Spy Family away from Funimation or whoever, Crunchyroll, I don't know. Uh, so they, the mid-season, rip it away, and suddenly Four Kids it. Oh, uh, yeah, they just didn't want to keep hold on to this massively successful what? series for some reason. It was really easy to talk them out. Of. What would be the Spy Kids for the, the Spy Family for Kids theme uh, song? We got it from them for Peanuts, which incidentally, Anya is no longer obsessed with. She likes something that is much more understandable for kids to think is their favorite food. <laughs> We gotta get the kids eating. So Anya's really excited about vegetables. She loves Brussels sprouts. That's what she's always <laughs> eating. And uh, we can't call Bond Bond because no. that, that uh, will get stupid. We'll call him Bind. <laughs> we'll call him. Uh, we'll call him Bind. Uh, I guess. <laughs> no, you know what? That wouldn't make sense. Bind is a much more weird kind of name, but it wouldn't make sense in that they, in the same way, they changed Smoker's name to Chaser, and you're like. I don't know if you thought that one all the way through, but okay, guys. And the idea, in fact, of a family coming together uh, for ulterior motives, again, sends the wrong message. So, uh, Yor and Lloyd actually just love each other uh-huh. uh, from the get-go, and they just, like, have physically, like, cram in, like, really bad dialogue changes. Like, long spats they have to give Yor. They're like, I know we don't ever see up or dress, but we want to make sure there's... There's no one assuming there's anything. So, <laughs> like everyone, they both just got like instead of Lloyd talking about in his head about how this family's got to be separated, just like I'm so glad that I love my wife. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh man! All right. Yeah. So there you go. Four kids. Free idea. <laughs> done and done. Nick shipped it off. Send him the check. Anyway, back in the real spy family, um, Anya is not dealing with the situation very well because because all the kids are terrified and are having really bad thoughts. She's reading all their minds and she's kind of secondhand experiencing all of their anxiety and terror, which is uh, very, very uh, not, not good. Uh, Damien uh, is at a loss as to what to do, uh, but the one large kid stands up and, and, and says hey, hey everyone stay calm it's all gonna be okay our parents are all very important people my daddy is in the army high command and i'm sure we're gonna be safe uh the <laughs> terrorist practices incredibly poor a trigger discipline and B marksmanship because he is trying to one hand that shotgun like don't you're, you're not arnold schwarzenegger you can't do that dude um, but everyone does start to calm down a bit uh, as a result of that. Uh, so Anya starts to do a little bit better too. Uh, but terrorist guy decides that the thing to do right now is talk smack to all the kids. <laughs> These are all like six year olds, and he's like, "Oh well, you're the you're Major Watkins' son, and you, you're you're Vice Chairman Garnet's daughter, and you're the daughter of the Black Belt CEO, and, the, and you're the son of Chairman Desmond. Yeah, everyone knows how important your parents are. You, Eden Academy students, were born with a silver spoon and raised as the most precious kids in the world, which makes you really valuable hostages." 
hostages, and I'm going to use your lives to negotiate with the government. And if they comply, then you'll all be heading home alive and unharmed to eat your five-star dinners in your palatial dining rooms. All the kids are like, what's palatial mean? Uh, so you better pray that your mommy and daddy use their power to get you back safe. Why are you talking this way to a bunch of yeah. kids? Like, they don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> These are, for the extended purpose, they are essentially like first graders, right? Or, like, or they're a little older than that. Anya was supposed to be six years old. Uh, she might be a bit younger yeah. because uh, her, the circumstances around like her birth certificate or specific were specifically said to be a little bit muddy when uh, Lloyd uh, got her and adopted her. But yeah, they are essentially like in first-ish grade. Yeah. So I would say that if any of these kids are older than eight, then that that they're not. So it's the notion of just like explaining that to like first graders. You're like, oh man, no, these kids don't get it. They're just asking when recess is. One of them is just like, I understand that our government does not negotiate with terrorists, so this is a fruitless endeavor <laughs> on your part. <laughs> All right, anyone else? <laughs> Bomb on your neck. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> it's just what he deals with it's all these problems. That's honestly, it's like the toaster <laughs> comes out a little burnt. He's like, "Bomb around your neck." <laughs> sports, the sports team he roots for starts losing. Bomb around your neck on the TV. <laughs> like it's not the TV's fault. <laughs> My cell phone bill is too high. Bomb around your neck. Oh man, the the walls are creaking. Bomb around your neck. <laughs> My back hurts. Bomb around your neck. Uh, no, wait. Uh, oh, it's too humid outside. Bomb around your neck. <laughs> Warren reaches the handler that this has happened. Uh, and at first she just reacts to like, okay, look, if, if a bus got hijacked, that's not a concern. Like the local police deal with it. But she is informed that Anya and Damien Desmond are among the hostages. Oh, well, that directly interferes with their mission. So they do have to check out things and try and uh, get this situation figured out. Uh, we are specifically told that Twilight is up in Bayon on an undercover mission. So he is out of reach and will at least not be back for a while. Uh, we'll even see him during this uh, whole situation. Uh so some of the kids uh, start to you know talk amongst themselves and be like, well, what can we do? What sh sh should we try and like call for help? Should we open the window and yell? Uh, and some of them were worried about, you know, oh, are they going to kill us? Anya reads the terrorists' minds to try and figure out what's going on. And she finds out where they're headed. Uh, and then she says, I really need to pee. <laughs> Which is kind of her go-to excuse for any situation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, the, the terrorists are like, shut up. We're, just hold it. Um, but uh, she realizes where they're headed to. Uh, uh, when Becky asks, like, how did you figure that out? She's like, oh, I can read the bad guy's lips. I learned it from, from spy cartoons. Pretty good lie. Yeah. Uh, and uh, then they're like, okay, well, if we could get a message to someone outside, maybe we could be rescued. So what do we do? Maybe we can like line up and spill it with our bodies. No, that'll never work. Uh, so Anya's like, I know, a spy will write it in secret code on microfilm and hide it somewhere in the city. And Becky's like, oh, 
Right. We'll write it on a piece of paper and throw it out the window. Good. Good thing you got. <laughs> um, Anya scribbles something out, a note, uh, and she's like, "Ta-da!" And Becky says, "We shouldn't actually write it in secret code, though." Oh no, my my writing is just really messy. <laughs> Uh, so Becky writes it instead and uh, she specifically says like oh and I'll add in a, an SOS code we use for family emergencies uh, she says oh, we need to make sure that someone sees a land so I'll put it in this tin for my bag and stuff uh, Damien tosses them a note while they're at it uh, which uh, says hey if you, are, if you guys are up to something you're gonna look you're gonna get yourselves killed don't do anything so Anya sees it, looks over at Damien, tosses a note back. It's too sloppy for him to read again. <laughs> so I, Anya like dictates it to Becky so they can pass that note. To it is a great moment. <laughs> there are people with guns on the bus that are threatening their lives. Uh but, you know, they just communicate to him, like, oh, we know where the bad guys are going, so we're going to try and tell our rescuers. That's that's our only chance. So Damien passes a note back that says, okay, well, I'll make a distraction and give you guys an opening. And he gets up from his seat and walks down the aisle and approaches the terrorists, and he says, I am about to crap my pants. <laughs> was just Anya's plan before. <laughs> But he is a, is a distraction long enough for them to toss the uh, tin out the window. And indeed, some people that they pass by see it land and the note fly out. Uh, but immediately afterwards, the terrorists spot them uh, having, you know, thrown something out the window. It's the best uh, one he sees it. And it's on you doing the duck face, looking off to the side going, la, 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 uh, and yeah, people see the the, the note, uh, and the, there's a note that's also attached to Becky's ID card, which is very, very good thinking on her part. It's like you know, so that you know they know, like, oh, this is who I am, and and, and everything. Uh, the terrorist grabs Anya, just yanks her out of her seat, and straps a bomb around her fucking neck. Uh, and he says, "If you try anything funny, I'm gonna blow your head off." And if anyone else starts acting funny, I'm going to blow her head off. If anyone tries to escape, I'm going to blow her head off. If anyone tries to take it off, it'll explode. Her life is in your hands. And if any of you screws up, she's a goner. And uh, yeah, I'd say this is probably the most in danger that we've ever seen Anya. It's like <laughs> a tense chapter. It was already a tense scene last week or last time where it was like, boom, a terrorist is taking over the bus. And like, the stakes have like escalated to a far more like unnerving degree of like Anya, our child protagonist, has a bomb strapped to her neck right now, and it's a very tense moment. Like it's 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 a chapter with a good amount of humor to it, uh, and you know it, it it makes for like an entertaining read. But like you get to the end, you're like, this is so much more intense for what I want my sweet baby Anya to have to live with. This this is too much. She needs to be out of there. Um, yeah. and also you, you sit here with the notion of like, there's no Lloyd. Lloyd is not coming in this. So you're like, yeah. your maybe gets involved or yeah, sure. you know, you're waiting to find out who's going to be the hero to the situation. Cause right now you're just like, holy shit, these kids are in a lot of trouble. Yeah. There's a bunch of different things that could potentially happen. Uh, of course there are, you know, there are so many super capable people in spy family that it's like, okay, 
Floyd not being there does not necessarily mean, oh, no, no one can save them. It's just like, okay, but that does throw in the element of kind of anticipation of like, oh, well, then who is it going to be that uh, helps them out? Yeah. Are they going to be helped out or is the fact that they're capable little kids and you can read minds? Maybe that. I thought you were positing the idea of like, maybe these kids don't make it out of this scenario. They all die. (laughs) Like, Nick, please, I can't do this. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like there's a lot of open room for a lot of cool things to happen. Like, even don't you suggest at the beginning, like, if Hendrickson showed up and, like, drop kicks his way into, like, the Absolutely. bus or something like that, I'd be all for it. So, yeah. Absolutely. All right, Nick. We talked about some good storytelling. Yeah, we got so much good storytelling. Now let's talk yeah. about some other storytelling, which is <laughs> in Zero, <laughs> Chapter 214, as one. Uh, so we open with a full-page color flashback of Shiki being trained by Ziggy and him being like, next time I will land a hit of you and you get a big two-page color spread that's like, hey, here's the Eden Zero crew, except for Couch Post. She's not really a member of the crew, guys. Don't worry about it. Yep. Yeah. Well, and also... Um, uh, oh, no, never mind. I, I got confused as to who was who. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the, the entire crew is there. It, well, and also the captain's not there. He's that's part of the that's crew true. Too, so. Yeah, but you only... and Moscow Moscow is not there. Oh, uh, you know <laughs> what? Maybe there's a second band of these characters that nobody likes that much. I guess they don't fight. I guess or something. I don't know. Anyways, it's to celebrate. I think like the anime or something like that. Uh, so last time Pino was uh, seemingly killed, and Ziggy turned into a super Ziggy overdrive and like punches him in the stomach. And we just get a bunch of action. This is a crash, pow, kaboom, zing, blam. Uh, that's all you've got. You'll never destroy me. Boosh, bash. Use your gravity to take down, like, rocks or something like that. Yeah, kaboom. And then these actions start happening, and we start having it, like, juxtaposed with that same action happening back when Shiki and Ziggy were training all those years ago. And it's like, Oh, the fight's Mm. repeating itself. And it reaches a Zenith where Shiki gets like lifted up into the air. And he's like, I'm flying. It's like, no, you didn't fly. You fell towards the sky. That's how you are. That's how you use gravity. Uh, And Shiki realizes, ah, I see what this is. This is not me fighting the monster. You're still Ziggy. And you wanted me to get to this point. Like, he's like, you didn't think I would figure it out that I'd fall for the same chick twice. Essentially mentioning how the only way they got him off of Grand Bell was for all of the uh, robots to act like they were evil and trying to come after him. He's like, so you're trying to act like you've been taken over again. But really, I'm on to you, Grandpa. And Ziggy's like, are you going to stop then? And he's like, no, I'll do it. Destroy you. And... Boom, big two-page sound effect. Or two-page sound effect. I mean, it is basically a two-page sound effect. It does. It yeah. goes, ka, boom. boom. Yeah. yeah. Um, ta-da, he's, he's seemingly gone now. And then, Nick, what would you know? But Pino plops out of a wormhole portal seconds Oh, later. thank God. <sighs> the character we knew wasn't dead. <laughs> Again, I'm... I I try not to be one of those people that like thinks critically of like the next chapter. I try to let things happen, but this is like legit like the sixth or seventh fake out in this arc. Like it has to stop. You can't keep getting away with this. 
Uh, I will at least say this. At least this one wasn't trying to make us think that Elsie was the villain. Again. At least this one wasn't like Pino's somewhere different. She must be the bad guy. Uh, yeah, she's just like, oh, man, that means Master Ziggy must be gone. Cheeky's like, it's okay. It's really goodbye, Grandpa. I could never tell him before, but I hope he got the message. The thank you for raising me. And, you know, they, they get a long little uh, monologue about, like, you know, jumping through time, becoming a robot, you know. But it was all worth it to essentially create Cheeky, who will never become me, one that won't. And in that way, Cheeky and Ziggy have become one, and I leave it all to my other self. I trust you to guide the destiny of this universe and choose the path for the Eden Zero. And Cheeky, crying, just says, I will, Grandpa, I promise. So we've presumably past the climax of this arc now presumably i mean there might very well be a big thing that happens where it's like and this is the feeling i think that is absolutely going to happen we have to do something to like tease out who the next yeah. like major antagonist is um sorry carry on well my point was just going to be we've now dealt with all the actually established villains yes. in this story. Yes. Some of them were really thrown in there. Just, and also this one. Nick, what do you mean? Cure and Acnoelia? They all had like cool and interesting involvements in this story and conclusions. Why did we introduce this big group of important characters, supposedly important characters, and then be like, and also they're dead now. <laughs> I don't know, because it, uh, it subverted your expectations, Nick. You never knew it was going to come, and now it's gone. Uh, yeah. Just, just not smart enough to appreciate this series. That's the problem. I think that for as much as we have built up, you know, Ziggy as like the big villain uh, of this story, that this came incredibly suddenly. Uh, the final fight that they have, there are some nice little bits to it, but it honestly does not feel like it went nearly hard enough in any respect. The final fight's not cool, yeah. I don't think. Uh, and how does Shiki beat him? I don't know. He, he does a thing. He, like, he throws he, a big gravity. throws a thing. It's not, it's not like... Uh, it doesn't happen in a way that seems like bigger than before. And I know that part of it is like, oh, well, because... You know, Ziggy specifically wanted to die, so that 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 it wasn't supposed to be like a big triumphant thing. But it really feels like this whole thing happens, and instead of ending on like a big thing, it's like, well, now it's over, and now we'll presumably move on to the actual big thing that will happen coming out of this arc to set up, hopefully, the final run of this series because. Like, it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot more to do. I uh, mean, it, it comes down ultimately to how, like, what I guess this big villain is. Because, like, here's the thing where, like, yes, all the antagonists are essentially gone. That has not stopped Hero in the past. Uh, like, don't forget, like, there's actually another continent where all of the mages are stronger than, like, they could be, like, the last cosmos is actually the strongest cosmos, and there's a whole big new force there, and we had to deal with them. Like, I don't want to presume anything on that end. I do want to say in regards to this arc, and if this is the end of 
future Shiki Ziggy that feels like such like a weirdly half done storyline. Like it felt like we didn't fully figure out what Shiki's future deal was. There was like a bit of an idea of like, well, there was a conflict with him and something changed him. And I guess we're still supposed to kind of get that when we find out who this big antagonist was, because supposedly that's the reason behind like the personality shift. But it just feels incomplete. It just feels like that storyline didn't really go anywhere. Like, why did we need that big explanation in the long run? I, I don't know. Yeah. Even if, and I'm just spitballing here, this, like, I, I'm not indicating, like, there's been any hint of this happening or anything like that. This is just an idea. Even if we assume that whatever entity or intelligence or whatever that was possessing uh, Ziggy, if that still exists in some form, say, like, it's, you know, some sort of infectious AI and it's, like, present in some other established being, whether it be like, you know, one of the robots that's part of the, uh, that's part of the crew or one of the uh, one of the androids or part of the AI of like the Eden Zero itself, even or something like that. Even if you have this big reveal of like, oh, and here it is. It's you know the thing you knew as the evil dark emperor Ziggy is still there. Even so, the form that this is taken of Ziggy's Shiki's rather grandfather is the villain and stuff. This story ending this way feels like it just kind of like dropped like like a, you just dropped a rock on the table as like and it's over yeah. now. I, so. I I'll say in like a, a, a vacuum, I don't hate this chapter. I actually think like it's it's not like emotionally destructive or anything like that. But I'm like, it's fine. Like he realizes is, that Ziggy is actually still in control because he recognizes this fight from when he was a kid. Like it's. Okay, it ties into something. This wasn't something that was introduced before or anything like that, but I'm like, I, I get it. Like, it's 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 fine. Um, but again, it just kind of comes at the cost of, like, one, it's a follow-up to a, a, a death tease that, again, is just a weird fake-out twist, and then it's just a conclusion to a storyline that didn't feel like it was, like, at a climax. Like, it is, ultimately, but, like, it just don't feel like we built it up enough. It just kind of spontaneously felt like eh, now we're done with it now i don't know and i think it also didn't help that we spent a lot of the last several chapters with people going who's the real villain and stuff just like directly telling you like by the way ziggy's not the final villain yeah so there's, there's a whole lot there's <laughs> a whole lot of characters being like what's gonna happen next you're just like yeah all right go for it just show me who the fucking villain is at this point yeah come on yeah. get on with it all right, let's move on to Akane Banashi, story 36, One Fan's Worth. Uh, last time, Akane clapped back at Rien. Uh, it was very satisfying. Uh, we see the after effects of this with Rien, of course, having to follow up on Akane's performance. He gets up there, and it's uh, pretty clear that uh, people aren't really into his performance, and he looks a little bit nervous. So he storms backstage afterwards, immediately goes and confronts Akane, and he's like, yeah. Snapping back at me with your rocket gun. I didn't think you would have had the guts, huh? And Akane just tells him straight up, it's like, yeah, sorry, I just don't like taking crap. <laughs> I was making a fight back about it. Uh, and Rien starts to go, like, all right, you listen here. Did you forget what I told you yesterday? And then someone comes by and says, oh, let me guess. I'm a Futatsume and I'm better than you, Zenza. 
your usual spiel, right? You say that to all the Zens these days. Uh, and Rien says, oh, I I didn't know you were still here, Rokuro Ani-san. And uh, Rokuro looks uh, probably like the most, like, shonen, honestly, kind of character we've seen so far. You know, kind of unkempt hair, he- he- headphones around the neck and stuff. Um, and he's just like, yeah, so whatever, knock it off. And Rian starts to object and says, oh, well, I'm guiding her. And she was sabotaging my performance. And she needs to not do that. Uh, but Rokuro says, like, yeah, OK, but aren't you supposed to be better than her because you can overcome those stupid things or is ignoring your own faults in order to chew out the Zenza what makes you better than them so he's been pretty thoroughly dressed yeah. down Rian apologizes and uh, that's 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 that uh, Akane thanks Rokuro afterwards and he's like ah he's just been acting out lately so so he but you sh- he's kind of right you shouldn't do that again uh, throwing stones that both sides can't laugh about is res- disrespectful. You're only going to earn more grudges that way. And plus, it's a waste because you've got so much skill. So, nice little teaching moment from him. And uh, then he calls Asagao over and he's like, okay, look, I'm leaving. You're in charge. And if Rien starts complaining again, just mention my name. So, That'll take care of yes. that. Uh, Asagao kind of gives her a little bit of a uh, gives Akane a little bit of a reproach, saying, "Hey, you took this this too far." Um, and Akane agrees because it's like, "Yeah, if if Roker hadn't stopped us, then things would have gotten a lot worse." Um, and Asagao's like, "Okay, look, what you did today that wasn't all right, but." You fucking killed him. So fucking killed him. It was so cool. <laughs> he doesn't say it in those words. You know, he tries to say, oh, inside my head, I was pumping my fist. But he's like, yeah, good kid. Uh, and he also says that, you know, look, you also owe Rokuro for stepping in on this. Because for all of his accomplishments, he actually really still cares about the people who are ranked lower than him. He's a very stand-up guy. Uh, and this is the first time that the kind has ever heard of him. So Asuka was like, yeah, I mean, he's the only apprentice of Miroku Kashiwaya, the sole national treasure of the current Rakugo world. Uh, first time we're really hearing about him. I'm sure he'll come back later. Uh, and yeah, Rokuro apparently is considered this big uh, rising star out of the people of his rank. He's called the Wonder Child, which is... Um, that's like a wrestler name, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rokuro is thinking to himself as he as he walks off from the performance hall. Uh, he just thinks like, oh man, you know, she got the better of Futsatsume. That's the first time that that's happened since Kaisei came by, so which makes sense. Uh, as he walks into a bar or of some kind, uh, he is called over by a a woman who's like, hey, you, you, you keep me waiting. Uh, she's very heavily into drinking. Uh, she's, quote unquote, on her second bottle, which, uh, okay. Those are big belt. Those are big bottles. I don't know my alcohol, but that that's a lot of alcohol. So. Uh, he apologizes and addresses her as Master Ron Saika. So we're getting... A lot more Rakugo Masters. I feel like it's uh, this is around the point where uh, 
the team behind the series was still like, you're doing really good. So go ahead and give, give us more of that world building stuff. So they're like, okay, yeah, sure. We'll just start hitting you with more master names and stuff. Uh, Ransaika, uh says like, hey, you should call me Urara because my inherited name is really ugly. Um, and uh, I guess also that avoids the problem of multiple people can have the inherited name. It avoids confusion, whatever. Uh, but uh, they talk a little bit. He just mentions he's found this amusing new kid. And that's the, it for this. It's very intriguing. We're introduced to him as having a master. And then suddenly, oh, wait, he's, he's talking to somebody else. What is this? Yeah, sounds, a different master. Sounds like there's mischief going on in this world. Yeah. Or, I don't know, Mustafa Shakugo performers sometimes get along with people. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? I'm just saying they introduce him as working with one master. We see him later with a different master. It sounds like. Mis- what are you talking about, Quinn? Sounds like. There's this. Mischief. There's a contest to determine what Rakugo is all about. We can't read into these things. <laughs> uh. Time passes, uh, and uh, we cut to a scene where Akane is like, oh, today is our last day working together. <laughs> Thanks for establishing that, Akane. Uh, and she says, oh, yeah, I'm going to miss you know, miss you guys. Uh, and Karashi says, whatever. <laughs> We're going to see each other. No, his response is the right one, where he's like, we're in the same profession. We're going to run into each other somewhere else. Like, yes, we aren't high schoolers going off into the world. We're a bunch of young Rakugo because we're going to be becoming doing Rakugo. Yeah, there's only so many Rakugo halls. <laughs> um, Asagao tells Akane that she is the opener and to check uh, the list of stories from the slate, and we get some, you know, like structural uh information about the way that rakugo shows work which is okay so the slate of performers ideally has a pace where the pitch and excitement should rise through the list and peak at the headliner performer as a result there are certain rules for choosing the story you can't have one performer repeat another performer's story and also you can't have performers pick the same type of story because if they you have you know two different ones they're like oh hey that th- this is a story about you know a guy and his boss and stuff and it's like oh well that's kind of weird it sounds, it sounds oh, is this like a theme night all boss all yeah. boss stories yeah <laughs> it's called a boss rush obviously obviously <laughs> obviously <laughs> Uh, so they've got this thing called the Netacho, which said, which just has all the day's stories written down ahead of time, and that way each person knows what they can and can't perform. But Akane looks over this list, and she calls over Asagao, and she says, hey, so it's not good to double up on the daytime stories, right? And Asagao's like, yeah, 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 Sakate, people who have bought admission for the showing can sit around to uh until the nighttime performers begin to so if you're here during the daytime there can't be any of the same stories so don't do that uh and Akai's like right and it's, it's also not okay to perform the same kind of story as a daytime performer and asagao says well i mean that that's a bit different you can you can do it but you need a buffer and he specifically takes out a paper fan and lays it down on the list and says, this is your guideline. If you can put one fan's worth of space between the two stories, then that's okay. But if you can't do that, then you can't cover that story again. 
And Akane says, oh, then I can't do it. I've only got five stories I can perform. And they're all crushed by the fan, which is such an <laughs> over-the-top way of putting that, but I love it. Uh, and she says, yeah, so I've got the performance time, but I don't I don't have anything that would be okay to perform. And everyone's like, what? what? <laughs> you only know five stories? Seriously? Uh, and Asuka thinks like, I mean, I guess she's she's like really new, but she's like, she's so talented. How does she only have five stories she can tell? What kind of training has she been getting? And the image that we end on is Akane looking um, kind of embarrassed, I think is the best way to describe it. As she's looking down at the list, like, I can't perform anything. So. Uh, it's a nice, it's a nice little twist. It is wild. Like this. I get it. Like, obviously, this is like an intriguing sort of end of the chapter where you're like, why does she only know five? She's been like, maybe she's only been a Zenza for a little bit, but she has been studying Rakugo since she was like eight. <laughs> like, she definitely yeah. should have a lot. Like, it's going to say something to why she was only being trained on five stories. But it is very amusing to retroactively think of this manga. And you're like, well, thank God each one of the circumstances she's been involved with has been one of the five stories she knows. Yeah, to this point, every performance that we've seen Akana give has been one of the stories she knows. And that's just one of those five. Like, it's it's like last week's was like very convenient. It was like, oh, I can clap back on him. Thank God. One of the five stories I know is exactly. Oh, thank God. That. I can do it with the last hero in my quiver. <laughs> Fuck this guy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, it is an intriguing thing. I, I don't know if I'm in love with it because it does feel a little silly of like an end. But at the same time, I, I enjoy this podcast so much. And I'm like, I'm going to go along with this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go along with this ride and see where we go. Yeah. I guess it also gives the excuse of like, okay, and she can also still learn a lot more can, as a performer. Yeah, she doesn't really have her own style yet. Like her five stories are maybe like a good branching off point for her to figure out what kind of stories she mm -hmm. likes to tell. Yeah. Uh, maybe she's just been trained in the basics very heavily. Maybe. All right. Let's talk about well, aliens, area, Nick. Um, I mean, do you want? It's gone. Yeah, All right. It's gone. Let's talk about blue. Like we just, there's a spot in the recap for every series we got rid of. Like, time to talk about Tokyo Red Hood, Nick. Uh, people were thirsty for it, and Nick, uh, time to talk <laughs> about Nine Dragons Ball Parade. Uh, we liked it. Oh, <laughs> we did, we did like it. All right, Blue Box Chapter Number Seventy Five, Roller Coaster, or a roller coaster. My bad. Uh, last time we had uh, uh, Hina just uh, saying to Ayame that uh, she didn't need Taiki to uh, respond to her love confession until he falls for her too. And uh, we uh, see that, you know, people are getting ready for the big, you know, barbecue and then and the, on the bonfire and everything. Uh, and she happens to spot Taiki along with Go. Uh, and at first, uh, Hina's face lights up because she sees the boy that she likes. But then it's a very it's very cool because she sees him from the back and then he turns and she turns and follows his gaze to see that he's looking at Chinatsu and then she looks sad. It's like that's great. Just visual storytelling. Yeah. Um and uh 
she also, we find out, uh, saw the two of them talking to each other after they got back. And uh, she's, you know, didn't really obviously hear all their conversation, but she just says to herself, oh, look, I knew it from the start. You know, I confessed to him knowing that he already liked Chinatsu Senpai. So this isn't a problem. And besides, there is more to this than pain. When I told him how I feel, I, you know, I liked seeing his slack jawed reaction. And as part of Operation Make Taiki Look at Me, uh, when I say something to make Taiki turn red, I feel this rush of emotion. I want, I want to just stop and note and... when she says, as part of Operation Make Taiki Look at Me, she's reading through presumably shoujo manga because there's like huge stacks yes. of it. And I really like the idea that like any line she delivers is just straight out of a manga. Like that's that's the exact uh, tone she's looking for. It sounds about right. I like that what she says immediately afterwards was just like, oh, I feel this rush when he when he gets embarrassed and these mini Hina's in my head do a little dance. <laughs> Uh, and she also like flat admits like, you know, when we were working on Snow White, I would fantasize about Taiki playing the role of the prince. And that actually happened. And I was so nervous, but I'll never forget the side of him as the prince. And he probably doesn't know this, but at the time when I teased him about kissing me, I really wished that he'd done it, which you're probably right. Hina. He probably doesn't realize that because he's, He's stupid. Everyone else knows that, that you were actually thinking that, but he is stupid, so... <laughs> um, but she also says, like, look, I, I'm glad that it worked out the way it did because I really wouldn't have wanted us to have our, my first kiss be in some stage show. And then there was also the way that everyone was talking about it and Taiki was kind of standing up for me, but, I mean, it's not like I hated all the gossip. And I kind of held on to the hope that maybe he would go out with me for real. And I do wonder what it'd be like if we did go on a date. I'd love if we could walk home together, even though I know that we'd be busy, both of us with practice, but maybe we could like go to karaoke together and we could take pictures together. And I'll hold hands. I'll, and hold hands is what breaks her. She thinks hold hands. And she's like, <laughs> she's like I, uh, turn away. God damn it. <laughs> Uh, but you know, yeah, she's so she's kind of walking off by herself. She's like punching a tree because she's so embarrassed by the thought of them holding hands. But then she starts thinking about the way that Taiki and Shinatsu are looking at each other, and then she realizes, oh, this must be what people mean by a roller coaster of emotions, which is like, I guess, yeah, it's, it's, it is one of the things that can be described that way. But it's not, it's not just that. But yeah, um. And uh, she also admits to herself that sometimes she thinks about it the way that Ayame does, just like, it would be nice if he would just go out with me, even if it were just for fun. But I do like that he's got that sense of integrity and that he wouldn't just flippantly go on a date and he wouldn't behave that way because he knows it would hurt me and I'm his friend. So that's nice. Uh, she comes across Taiki or I think just straight up approaches him uh, while he's kind of attending a grill. And uh, they start, you know, engaging in conversation about stuff. And uh, he observes that she's got a leaf in her hair, which 100% she got because she was punching a tree. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, so she's got it like tucked up above her ear and she starts feeling around for it and she can't get it. So it's no, 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 higher. No, 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 it's back more. No. And he says, uh, OK, sorry, I, I'm going to touch your hair. And he reaches to grab it. And as he is, you know, putting his hand in a place that can very easily be construed as a romantic gesture, of course. Uh, but he's just very respectfully like, let me just get the belief out of your hair. Oh, I'm bad at this thing. <laughs> it's taking him a while. And Hina starts to open her mouth. And then she just kind of thinks, I like you. But if I said that right now, then I know that it just kind of like just just to stress him out. Yeah. Oh, but if you, you miss every shot you don't take, and I, I want to make the most of this relationship. Look at me. I want you to be more than a good friend. Maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, maybe next month. I'll wait as long as it takes. So for now. And then she just starts kind of teasing him the way that they normally do. She's like, oh, you've got a leaf in your hair kind of thing. And she's like, she's, you know, just going to stick a leaf in his hair and stuff. And they start playing around. And Ayame is watching this. For some reason, she's walking with Kyo. 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 I don't know why. Because uh, we're going to start teasing them as a relationship now. I feel like that's where the series are, are is going to go. I feel like that's... Are we? Based on the end of this chapter, I was like, this, 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 this is some shipping right here. I am in pain. <laughs> Nick, you should be used to this. The nerdy glasses kid getting with the girl you kind of... Uh, you're like, I've just grown to be a like, fond of this character. <laughs> <laughs> so you know she's watching this and she's like oh look at that oh i love it when couples are like friends and kyo's just got no patience for any of this he's so cold he's fucking <laughs> ruthless <laughs> just like looks inside of her soul and starts stabbing <laughs> weaknesses. He says, oh, you seem to be like the type who toys around with your partners, Moria. And I was like, what? No. I mean, even if I did, look, I go out with people who'd be okay with me doing that. <laughs> um, and she also says, when it comes to love, the person who's being doted on is the happiest. And Kyo looks at her and, like, he's like, I can't believe you just said that. And says, then how does the other person find happiness? Even if you go out with someone, the relationship doesn't last that long, right? So what do you know? And then walks away. <laughs> He's done with it. Just destroys her and doesn't look at the explosion. <laughs> and now he's like, what the fuck? You don't know anything. You don't have a girlfriend. Fuck off. You don't know me. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, she is right. She's like, fuck you. I have to admit, so as we have established with previous comments, I'm not really looking forward to if these two are going to get put together. However, this is probably easily the most entertaining that Kyo has been <laughs> just yeah. getting Ayame riled up. So I'll take that, I guess. Just cutting her off. Uh, I love this chapter. I love this chapter so much. Uh, it's a very intimate chapter like it's it's all about Hina's inner thoughts of this relationship and how she's working through it and there's just so many details in it like details that help you like her more details that help you understand why she likes Taiki more like Taiki is kind of one of those protagonists you're like 
eh, he falls a little bit into self-insert a bit. Like, there's not really that much you understand why people like him, but you're like, I can slowly start to see why these, these, because the girls have very detailed personalities, so it's like, they're helping to flesh out Taiki a little bit more, and I, I really enjoyed that. Um, I, I just, I'm, I was so enamored with the way this, like, chapter flowed. I, I, I really, by the end of it, I was like, that's a fantastic, like, little look into her and how everything's going, and... I know it is not going to win out in the end, but this is like another one where I was like, I hope, I hope Hina wins. I hope, I hope it works Aww. out. It's just a lot of very, very, very cute details that I, I really appreciate. Yeah, that very in-depth look into Hina's feelings for someone that she's already really good friends with and just really, really wants him to love her romantically back and is so in love with that idea that she is saying to herself i will wait forever when you know like that's that's not gonna be the way it's gonna be kid nah. like either you know either he comes around soon as far as your lifetimes are concerned or you're gonna get over it you're like you're like if you keep on holding on to it then that's not healthy and then that's it might seem romantic now but it's not going to for too much longer you're a kid you know and you're, you've got your whole life and a whole lot of happiness ahead of you but that's so relatable as well uh you know having been that age before thinking like oh yeah this is the way it's going to be forever yeah. uh absolutely that's that's young it's, love it's right that there. moment of just her thinking look at me like I don't, like it was like a moment i was like ah. like you get just you get begging for it you to get happen. see like that pain it, it's it's excellent really really good chapter all right. Well, for some more, just let's get back to punching stuff. So, Ginka and Luna, Chapter Eight. <laughs> Hugin and Moonin. <laughs> this series is trolling me with its names at this point. Hugin and Moonin. Uh. So. Uh. <laughs> Minigin got kidnapped. Luna is going off to save him, uh, but our new character, Dark Mc, Dark McCool Boy, uh, just leaves things to the twin attendants that uh, he had met up with last time, and just says like, "Hugin, Munin, it's training time. Deal with it." Uh, and Luna rushes up to um, a lava pit. Um, I don't know if she had to go up to reach this or, or, or what, but she's at this lava pit that's, uh, that she's got to, you know, do like platform jumping across these columns that are sticking up out of the lava in order to get to the other side. Uh, but as she is jumping, this thing blasts just by her head. Uh, and one of the twins uh, goes, oh, I missed uh, because they're uh, apparently attacking her with spells. And uh, they start bickering, you know, like, Hugin, you missed, Munin, shut up. I didn't, you didn't even shoot at her and stuff. Um, There's a name for this trope, right? Like, the twins were once kind of, like, uh, wee fish and, like, timid, and the other one's kind of bossy and mean. Like, there's got to be a name for that kind of duo. I'm sure that there is, yeah. probably. Uh, the two of them strike a pose together and they're like, we're, we're going to take our master's orders seriously because we take our training seriously. Uh, and Luna realizes like, oh, wait, training? 
Uh, it brings back memories of, you know, when I was training with Ginka and I don't want them chasing after me. So, yeah, I'll, I'll sure. And she just flats. It's like, OK, I'll trade with you guys for a bit. Come on. And they're like, they're OK. You're not taking it seriously. We're kind of insulted by that. But uh, yeah, <laughs> but we're going to keep our cool. Uh, and they they go over. All right. Well, let's review our lessons. And we did this breakdown of some basic magic terminology as they're kind of reciting it because it's part of their training. And it's like, all right, this is exposition very blatantly. But I do think this is kind of cute in the way that it's being delivered. So I will accept it. Uh, I, I do like that we also get a bit where uh, Hugin starts to say, according to the classification system of Barokian magic, and no, 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 cool stuff. Just skip to the cool stuff. <laughs> triangle. Yeah. Explain the magic triangle. It, it really is. And it's it's rather amusing to me. Like, you know, we're getting like eight chapters in, like, here's how magic works in a way that, like, I can't tell if it's supposed to be their magic specifically that works this way. Or just magic to this point has never followed that rule, but this is like the underlying <laughs> mechanics of everything. Uh, the three basic forms of magic are sword, arrow, and shield. So presumably close range attack, long range attack, defensive spell. Uh, but you can also like combine them together in a bunch of different ways, and then things get more complicated from there. So they start firing arrows at Luna and she just matrix dodges all of them, weaving her body back and forth without actually, you know, moving from the spot. And then she says, okay, you're done. And just throws rocks at them in response. So they cast a shield to block it. And then they say, okay, and now we can buy multiple incantations like sword and arrow. And they both swing their wands with have sword blades extending from them in a way that sends out this cross slash attack. And then they just launch these cross slash waves at, at Luna as she skips from stone to stone coming towards them. Uh, and then now she's just like on one uh, pillar. They've destroyed all the rest. And they say, all right, you can't dodge forever. We got you now. And Luna swings her leg way up behind her head and kicks the pillar that she's on and destroys it and kicks the stones forward. And then as the stones are flying through the air, she runs across through, through the air to reach them, which is insanely cartoonish and fun. Uh, they, the two twins uh, panic and try to attack her and she just snatches uh, one of the wands and stops them. And she's like, oh, how do these things work? Do you like channel magic through them? And it just explodes in her hand and disintegrates. And she says, oh, sorry, I, I broke it. Uh, and uh, the twin whose wand she broke starts crying. And uh, she says, oh, sorry. Um, um, how do I apologize? Here, you can have my spare cheese bread. We'll make friendships through the power of shared food. Uh, and uh, the other one's like, I want one too. And Nuna's like, but then I won't have any. Okay, fine. Here, have <laughs> And then she remembers, like, wait, Minigun was kidnapped. <laughs> Rushes into the place. Uh, and uh, the kid's master is just, like, kind of full evil masterminding it. You know, he's like, ah, oh, I have my steaming cup of tea and I have my prisoner in his crystal. Hmm. This is very disconcerting. Uh, he also... Um, takes the icicle that Luna had thrown uh, at, through the platform uh, he was standing on, 
uh, and just takes it and just throws it off into space. Uh, apparently, he's really pissed off at it. He's like, drift through space forever and never cross. It's an icicle. <laughs> in my mind, I thought that was the one with Mini Ging, Mini Jin in it. And I was like, oh my God, how are they going to get Mini Jin back from space? But the idea that it's, it's just the icicle that was thrown his way is like, begone! You insult me. <laughs> it's just a big thing of ice. I hate ice. That's why I drink hot tea, obviously. <laughs> Hugin and Munin show up with Luna and they're like, sorry, we lost. But she's that she's not a bad person. Uh Luna demands to have Minigin back. The guy says, no. And Luna says, Unfortunately, I'm all out of bread. I need you to give Minigin back. And he says, as serious as the grave, I would not be enticed by mere bread. Now come on. Luna, you're 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 burying the lead. It was cheese bread. He might have been lured in by cheese bread. Maybe. Um, I love cheese. There's a lot of like little details to this chapter. This is like maybe more than any Shonen Jump protagonist. Luna has so captured Goku energy in this, Absolutely. where it's like yeah. the, the moment she just leaps off and like lands right in front of him, is like, ooh, what is this doing? It just explodes. I was like, fuck, man, that's that that is like a prime moment. Um, and I do just like the comedy of him being like, ah, my minions, you arrived. It took you too long. She beat us. <laughs> they like just dropped that, but she's not a bad person. I don't know, like. I just found that like beat very funny to me. It was a very funny chapter, uh, and it was you know nice to you know just kind of have. It also accomplished a bunch of different things. You know, we've got some stuff that seems to be alluded to at the end. What the hell is he doing with Minigin? Uh, some of the stuff that Luna does is ridiculous, and uh, she it just shows more of her personality, which is nice. Okay. Oh no! What? I forgot to make a riddle well, for you. <laughs> Nick, I have a riddle for you and a game for you. Oh, this this oh, okay. this this this, this is it. from Zombie 87, which is peak professional combatant projects put downs against prejudiced pale men. Against prejudiced pale men. Yes. Peak peak professional combatant. No projects put downs against prejudiced palemen is it men or man man p-a-l-e-m-a-n Ooh, i have no clue whatsoever. All right. Well, I think Zembe may have stumped you here. Give a guess. I have uh, I, I, the only the only like pale like the only thing that comes to mind when I think of a pale wrestler is Seamus, and I'm like, was he ever racist? <laughs> <laughs> um, peak professional combatant of. John Cena. I don't know. Uh, Ultimate Warrior. Okay. Okay. Zambay's in the chat. Zambay can give you the explanation for all of it. Please, please explain. Explain. Okay, so peak professional combatant. So 
Peak, I get that. Peak is ultimate. Yes, I, I understand that. And combatant is warrior. I got that. That's that's fine. Okay. Yeah. Projects. I'm assuming the prejudice pale man's Hulk Hogan, maybe. He's not pale. <laughs> yeah, that means a hot dog. Yeah, that is true. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm, I, I would have never. Th I, I did think of Hulk Hogan when you said prejudiced. I, I have to admit <laughs> that. But he's not pale. <laughs> um. So that I'm sorry. Yeah, that's what threw me okay. off. Um, okay. Okay. All right, but I also want to waste a minute of your time if that's possible. Okay, so Nick, uh, I um... I have come up with a professional wrestler. You have one minute to guess who they are. Are you ready? I'm ready. The last time I believe if you lost, you were going to be sent to the shadow room. I have nothing that intense this time, I but I think we're gonna okay. I think we're gonna start finding stakes for these. So stay tuned for that. Okay. But this time, just for fun, it's a practice. So okay. on your mark, get ready, go. Are they alive? Yes. Are they a man? Yes. Okay. Are they a current wrestler, a currently active wrestler? No. Okay. Uh, are they a manager currently? No. Okay. Do they have a podcast? <laughs> uh, not to my knowledge. Not to your knowledge. Not to my knowledge. <laughs> okay. Uh, have they wrestled for the WWE? Yes. Have they wrestled for WCW? No. No. Have they wrestled for TNA slash No. Oh, okay. Uh, did they wrestle in the 2010s? No. Did they wrestle in the 1990s? No. Okay, 1980s? No. Ooh. 2000s, yes. just yes. to cover the Memphis. Okay, ooh, okay. Oh, man. Were they a WWE champion? Uh, they were a champion, yes. Okay, were they a uh, United no. States champion? Uh, tag team. Yes. All right, that's it. You tag you team. you have okay. tag team champion. Okay. I need your who final only guess. wrestled in the two thousands. Yes. A tag team champion who only wrestled in the two thousands. Yes. This one's harder. I jumped it up in difficulty a little bit from the past ones. Okay. Uh, tag team champion who only wrestled in the two thousands. Oh, there's so many forgettable tag team <laughs> champions from that era. Should have narrowed it down more. I am going to say Eugene. Eugene is a good guess. It is not correct. I was thinking okay. of John Heidenreich. 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 Uh, I had to stop because I was like, I don't think he has a podcast, but it would not stun me if John Eidenreich had a podcast. You, you, I, I'm sorry, that was kind of a joke on my part, just to be, just to be like, okay, so they're not currently involved in wrestling, so do they have a podcast? <laughs> uh, he retired in 2018, also, oh. so he is not active in anything, to my knowledge. Gotcha, gotcha. Heidenreich, I don't know if I would have gotten that, even if I'd had it after several Because I, I was like, Oh, let me think of like somebody from back then. And I was like, oh, Heidenreich. And then I was like, fuck, Heidenreich's hard. He was never a champion except for a tag team champion with a fucking road warrior road animal. Warrior animal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
And he and his introductory feud was like with the Undertaker. It was so weird. I was like, okay. I guess I give him a hint. Like Michael Cole hates this guy because there was a weird moment where Michael Cole may have been violated in a bathroom by him. I don't know. Maybe. It's very Maybe. unclear and uncomfortable. Nah, I don't think I would have ever gotten that one. So that was that was that was definitely a, a, a tough. We'll one. bounce around. Sometimes it'll be easy. Sometimes it'll be hard. Right, but man. we're gonna figure out. We're gonna figure out stakes for this at some point. Yeah. I should also like actually get like a make like a question map for myself or something. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna keep doing this. All right. Huh. PPP PPP Chapter Fifty Five. Uh, hang on. Beginning of the end. I had to tilt my head to read it. So the genius Lucky has a spotlight shining down on them, but in this vision he says i won't reveal myself yet it's no use coming after me i'll keep running away until the time comes and he twirls off on um planet planet and he has his own planetary rings as well uh, <laughs> <laughs> also all of his word bubbles in the color uh pages that open this chapter are like smeared with pastel colors and stuff. It must have been a nightmare to uh, translate and uh, text all of them yes. again. So Lucky in the present is doing to be together again for the final performance in the contest uh, for the team battle. Uh, we get some a bunch of visuals that uh, people in the audience experience of like riding on a train. And several of them kind of flash through a bunch of different memories that they have had of like, you know, going out to eat with friends, going out traveling and seeing the pyramids riding on a roller coaster uh, or like having dinner with 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 someone. And uh, lucky as he is playing uh, and he is backed by orchestra thinks, OK, so the train ride is from my experience and the preparations for the audience's memories were done by studying nostalgic things with Rajiro's help, since, you know, he's been to lots of places for work. Uh, plus, he extensively researched how to recreate specific kinds of experiences. Uh, Sorochika is on the train as well, uh, by himself. And Sorochika's like, I see, I'm not part of the audience. There wasn't a memory prepared for me, so I'm just experiencing the train ride. The lucky at the piano is playing something interesting, but to me, you are the most interesting. And he cocks his head and thinks about what he had heard Lucky and Sadame talking about, about the genius Lucky. And he thinks, you know, that funeral garb they described, there's got to be more than that, but what will I do if I don't meet him? And then he just pauses for a bit and then he thinks why why weren't you chosen why can't you come out and he sits in the train and the genius lucky says from um either nowhere or from um the door handle in the foreground <laughs> it's, it's kind of weird that the word bubble keeps coming directly out of it uh it says in response to Sorchika. It's because I'm a with full quotation marks around just a and this body 
It's all right, Sora Chica. The books and TV shows from my childhood might have birthed mediocre Lucky, but we should talk face to face from now on. So wait a little longer. And then the visual of the train ride ends for Sora Chica, and he's just standing by himself in a section of the bleachers, staring off into space. Uh, for Fanta, however, he experiences being on a train ride home with their mom. And it's like really creepy because he's got the nostalgic memory playing of his mom, like, you know, ruffling his hair when he was a kid. But it's just, you know, grown Fanta looking up at her with this, like, almost sinister smile. Like, yeah. oh, I see what this asshole's doing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, he's like, yeah, OK, I get it. So this is the train ride home after the park's closing parade. So the audience won't be in the mood to enjoy the park anymore. So what's this in front of my eyes? Make wishes come true, experiences, graduation. I see. So I'm experiencing some form of memory. After I said all that, he still does it. Or could he be doing it subconsciously? I mean, I did love our mother a long time ago. And we get this much happier memory of, you know, little kid Fanta hanging out with their mom, mm. learning, you know, like music while she says like, oh, yeah, that means I love you. Well, I love you, mom. Oh, and I love you. Like, oh, they used to be happy. Uh, and Fanta says to himself, I know that people can feel more than one thing. I think you really did love me. But. And. Lucky and the orchestra, big finish for their performance. Lucky kind of steps back from the piano. And it's like, I did, I, I did it. All right. And uh, everyone in the audience, you know, claps and they're like, oh, yay. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're graduating. This is a big thing. Thanks. Yeah, this, that was nice. And Lucky thinks, so he's, you know, he's glad that the audience liked it. Uh, and he wonders how Fanta reacted. But when he looks off stage, he sees that Mimin has approached Fanta and has her phone out. And then she turns to Lucky and she says, Mama's not doing well. The hospital called. And Fanta gestures and says, you should go to the hospital. And Lucky says, well, you should come too. And Fanta says, I'm not going. I'm up next. This battle's not over and I'm not going to abandon my duty. And I really don't want to go. If I go and she's somehow able to talk, we could possibly have a final tearful reunion. She'll say something to make me happy, and we'll both cry. But after that, I'll never be able to believe in those words. And he thinks to himself, I'm sure you did love me. But you didn't choose me, so I won't choose you either. I'm going to stand by my selfishness. <sighs> it's a brutal... There's some heavy yeah, stuff this week. It's a brutal little chapter. Um, I do just like this detail of like this arc being about selfishness and the way it is is all being processed and these characters and just yeah a lot of the heavy feelings going on and all about it's it's wild um i i i truly this is also a chapter where like there's a lot of stuff going on that i just kind of have to nod my head and i'm like i think i get what's going on here uh but what was 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 genius lucky spinning off in a trail of planets and not clear honestly <laughs> i got that it's the mysterious nobody who's like that's because i'm a uh and you're like 
Okay, uh, I think I get what you're going by by that. Yeah, um, but all the stuff involving uh, Fanta, rather, and their mother, that's just very, very hard stuff that cut right to the core. And uh, yeah, it's it's heartbreaking, but it's also really compelling. Yes, so. very much so. All right, Nick, let's jump over to Mashal Magic and Muscles, Chapter 130, The Visionaries and the Eldest Son. We get a Halloween color Halloween. page. Halloween! Uh, very nice costumes. Curious that Finn is a nun. There, I don't, It feels like there may be something to unpack there at some point, uh, but we're not here for that today. I, yeah, I, I guess it's because he's with Brain, who is a priest yeah. slash the Pope. He's but like a follower, yeah, but it's, it's like, I wonder if I should think about that at some to some extent. <laughs> It is also a little bit weird because all the others that are on are just like, oh, just vampires, like Hollywood yeah, monsters, yeah. Hollywood monsters. And then it's like, and a priest and a nun. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Fair enough. Uh, so we open with uh, Caldo Gehenna, who is slowly turning the key, but it is not going very fast. They're only about 30%. They're like, holy shit, this is going to take hours. Please hold on, everybody. Uh, I don't think they're going to hold on that long. Because Doom starts by just slashing an X into the ground, and we just see Order and Rain like, why did he do that? So like, all right, we're going to flank him, we're going to try to... Curious. Hope that doesn't come to beat the shit out of us later. Uh, They're like, all right, we'll catch him from two different angles, they're going, they're throwing some shit at him. Uh... It doesn't work. He's he's too fast. He's dodging it. He's 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 barely you know they're barely surviving, uh, and eventually order gets slammed. Rain's trying to do something. He gets like smashed in the face, and they wind up back to back on top of the X. And he's like, "Fuck! How did he do this? Even though we split up, he still pushed us onto this point." And he basically swings a giant sword. And they're down, like they're they're pretty beat up at this point. Uh, orders just like all of our magic is drained. The odds are stacked against us, and Doom's just like you're not done already, are you? Uh, and it's not Doom who's saying that actually, as a voice cries out from the darkness. And who should show up but Rio Grants, who's like you've all held out well. Now that I've arrived. You can cast your worries aside, for yes, I am the greatest creation in all of humankind. Real great. <laughs> he just gets <laughs> fucking mushed in the face across the room. <laughs> uh, and Doom is like looking at his hand. There's like smoke coming off of it. And it's like, oh, no. But then like a beam of light comes out and blasts him in the face. And it seems to... May not draw blood, but it, it does seem to take Doom back a little bit. And Rio Grant just says, thanks for helping me to shine even brighter. And we end the chapter with Doom being, like, fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, Rio Grant joined the fight as well. I mean, it, it figures. Uh, it was a pretty cool moment of Doom just cutting an X in the ground for no reason other than this is where I'll hit my big attack. It wasn't as part of a ritual or anything. It's like, I'm going to put them here before I kill them. It was just him weirdly calling his shot very perfectly. Like, I'm going to whoop your asses right here. I want to be very clear. It's going to happen right there. Yeah. Uh, that's about Yeah, it. we'll see what happens. Is you know, uh, I don't think Ryu Grants is going to last too, too long, but he might be able to push him a little bit further. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Let's go over to the Elusive Samurai, Chapter 84. 
Oh no. Kote Sashiga. Kote Sashishiga. Forget it. Kote Sashigahara. Chapter 1335, uh, we get people reuniting after the battle. Uh, Ayako and Shizuku meet up with the boys. Tokyo gives them a hug, and they're both like, ah! Um, the generals kind of meet up with Yorishige, and they talk about how formidable their opponents were, and how they were all definitely honorable and good men that they just did battle with, yes. Um, Tokyuki has a, a brief moment with uh, Nezu and talks about how great you know a job Kojiro did, and he says, "Oh, I realize when you gave him your son's uh, Kagemusha a name phonetically identical to your son's. I mean, he doesn't get the credit, but I can loudly shout his name, and when others encourage him, it also makes him proud. So you did all that out of consideration. I don't really get it, but uh, you basically Nezu wasn't entirely." abusive and selfish with Kojo, so that makes everything okay that's how that works um but uh tokyo says look i i wanted you to know that when i re- if i regain the throne i won't let have what happened to your sister happen again uh so please let you let him stay with me because he's like a part of me now it's a nice nice little yeah. moment for him and Kojo at least and then they're like okay let's go let's go let's go have some food uh yorishige kind of analyze thinks a little bit about the battle um and how their enemies were such weird different people and uh tadayoshi is responsible for having brought them together so he is the real foe that they're having to deal with right now someone who can cause that to happen uh magojiro the uh young uh strategist uh reports back to kamakura uh, he has to report about all the other generals being slain, uh, and Tadayoshi, you know, all the other counselors who are there are like, oh my god, really? But Tadayoshi just says, hmm, understood. And, of course, uh, the, uh, Ma- mm. Magojiro uh, is really upset about this because he's like, you don't have any other reaction. Like, Shibukawa was your brother-in-law. Don't you feel anything over that? And Tadayoshi just says, well, I'll continue to love Shibukawa's elder sister as promised. I will keep my promises to him uh, and I will favor his surviving family members. But we've got work to do. We've got to stop the Hojo army. Uh, you're no longer going to be in command because your army's been destroyed. Uesugi's army prepares to march. You will accompany and assist him. And uh, once Magajiro shows up with Uesugi, who was the very demonic-looking one that we had met, what feels like forever ago, honestly, at this point. Uh, he shows him his very um, questionable methods for raising strong soldiers, which is, I'll poison everyone, and those that don't go insane will be my orcs. And that's what I'll and I'll raise them into the ultimate soldiers and stuff. That's what we established across several pages. It's honestly, it's like I've seen this kind of thing played out in way more interesting ways before. So I was like, yeah, all right, fine. Um, but uh, he also says, in addition to that, that uh, they have lost, you know, several leaders and they need to avenge them. They'll need Imagawa in order to do that. Imagawa being the crazy horse guy. So. We get, you know, some mapping stuff of like where the journey is heading and where the battle took place and stuff like that. Uh, some of the, the some of Yurishige's men are talking about uh, what uh, they went through before 
uh, they talk about like, oh, well, I'm sure that the ones that we that we've defeated are, are the strongest that they had, but they probably have plenty of warriors besides them. Um, we get a moment as well between Tokyuki and his uncle because he recounts like I I couldn't stop Nita two years ago and thus Kamakura fell, but now I'm going to ride to attack Kamakura just as he did, uh, and I will fight any demons the Ashikaga have. Uh, Tokyuki Dono, soon we will be home. Feel like he's gonna die. Uh, so... <laughs> uh, Imagawa uh, gets put on his horse and is tied into his saddle. Uh, as we get some narration saying, like, "Oh yeah, apparently he rode with his legs bound to the saddle because supposedly he was ill." Uh, and uh, he starts squeezing on the horse's torso with his legs so hard that it crushes the horse's heart and pumps its blood through its veins really fast and it goes berserk as he just goes I love horses and rides into battle my guy gear seconded his horse against its will <laughs> so there was some crazy stuff that happened in this chapter and some foreshadowing yep. yeah uh, not as cool as last week I, I do love it I love horses line is, is, is relatively amusing but uh you know, interesting, but very weird stuff, generally speaking, and towards the end there. Yep. All right, Nick, let's wrap up this episode of Weekly Manga Recap by talking about Black Clover, page 342, Watch the Night. So we found out last time from uh, Yichika that Yami apparently killed his entire clan. And uh, we don't have to wait to find out what some of the context for that is, as she's basically explaining, like, hey, our clan has been descended from a group of assassins that were known as Akijin. Uh, during the Age of Wars, our ancestors distinguished themselves in many battlefields. And there's an entire long backstory about, you know, dragons and them coming down. And just to kind of pull it together is they were essentially granted this this piece of land that they were meant to be the protectors of. But it's not a particularly great piece of land as Yami's dad is complaining about it. He's like, this is kind of like guarding the boonies. Like, this is our family's job. This sucks. This job for the dogs. And Yami's just like, yeah, you're the only one who says that stuff, you know? And Yichika like runs up cause he's just been knocked down and she's like, brother. And we see Yami's dad get really angry. He's like, what's that face for? You're the sp- Spitting image of my wife who had to go and die young on me. You're dead weight who can't fight. And Yami intercepts uh, the strike that he was going to do. He's like, how about you fucking cool off, old man, basically. And he's like, fuck it, we're going fishing. Let's go, Chica. Uh, and yeah, they do. They they go fishing, basically. And he's just like, oh, hey, look, a demon tiger puffer fish. You don't, don't get a whole lot of those, basically. It's, you know poison you can't do that but the the tasty bits are, are real good and they're like hey what are you doing and we see uh ryoya is also there or Rudo rather and he's like hey cool man like we're friends and hey yes i am kind of part of the elite class i'm you know uh, the uh descendant of like a very wealthy clan but honestly i want this place this country to be a place where everyone could live and laugh together no matter what your rank or your uh your yoku looks like you know and yami's just like also he's got also he's got both eyes yes. so he doesn't have the all-seeing uh ability i presume yes it, it does it feels like there's a lot of things that are about to take place yami says basically just like 
Look at this fucking idiot. Now it looks like he's talking in his sleep. But the Dream Years does sound pretty nice. And we cut back to the present as Chica's like, I thought it was too. But when he said that, he was lying. It's just like our father said. He was a demon god. No, even worse than father. At the age of 13, he massacred his own father and entire clan. And that is why I have vowed to kill him and take his eyes. <laughs> uh, in another manga, this would be the backstory in like chapter three. Um, yeah. She's like, yeah, he abandoned us and fled. And now he's been living an easy life overseas with all of you people. And you trust a man like that. And uh, Ash is just like, look, there has to be some kind of mistake because I, I don't believe that Captain Yami would do that. I believe in the Captain Yami I've seen. And she gets just like, you know nothing, you ignorant fool. I saw it with my own eyes. Ash is like, I don't, even if you're Captain Yami's little sister, I can't back down on this. I know him. And she's like, all right, fine. If that's the case, prove it. Use the strength you've acquired while you were with him. I'll train you right now. And just as you wanted, I'll get serious. And she, her body starts getting covered with the uh, Yuryoku. And she is clad in a new armor dark yojutsu dark cloaked black warrior and it's got like an oni mask on it it's a very very cool outfit and she says don't blame me if you die yeah there's uh it's uh kind of reminiscent of the uh darkness forms that we have seen um nature boy rick flair use uh. um in addition to having of course the it's funny when you're on the other side of that moment <laughs> When a character, when somebody just says bluntly for Nature Boy Ric Flair. Nature Boy Ric Flair. Yeah, yeah. The very well-known Black Clover character, mm -hmm. Nature Boy Ric Flair. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I made the I made the remark before about, like, like, oh, this is just like Sasuke's backstory. But the context, because it is so different, because we are in Asta's position, we have seen over the course of years of publication the kind of person that Yami is, the guy who's, you know brusque and kind of weird but you know he always sticks by the people who are close to him and he always and he's you know a good person despite being kind of rough uh and so it's like yeah you sympathize with asses position of like look i i can't believe that he would just murder is in the whole the whole clan like that that's not the type of person that he is so now it's like okay so what did happen and it's 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 intriguing because you like you want to find out like okay well what is the story what happened here is there something that you know yami had to do because it was the only choice that he had is it related to the devil pufferfish thing that they establish in the flashback <laughs> um it could be all sorts of different things um but it's cool to see and i think also one of the things that's really effective about all this is just seeing like young Ichika with her big open eyes and her blushing cheeks and stuff and then cutting from that back and forth to her as an adult looking mostly very similar but her eyes are just drained of all of that optimism and cheerfulness and she's just so bitter and hard now uh it's very effective in a, a couple of different ways and you know it's like even though you do side with Asta like I said you can tell that she believes what she said yes and it's like, okay, well, so what is going on here? And what, how is it going to affect her when the truth comes out? So it's all good stuff. Yep. Good stuff. Well, Quinn, we, we have reached it. the end of 
the last chapter of the recap for this week. No, no so I have a question piece. for okay. you. There's no One Piece this week. We should be back with another chapter next week. Uh, I have a question, question for you. What was your favorite series this week? But and who was your My favorite team? series in The Secret. I really love that chapter of Blue Box. That was, that was like the chapter that as I read it, I was like, this is going to be the chapter of the week, I think, undoubtedly. I think that I have to agree with you. Uh, I don't think that there was really a bad chapter at all no, uh, in the stuff really that we covered stuff. this week. But uh, that was something that really did stick with me uh, as I was reading it. I am almost tempted to give Hina my character of the week as well. Um, but I, I felt myself inclined to go with Soji initially because I was like, well, Soji is just such a nothing character that like it meant a lot for him to get this much significant attention. But I think ultimately when I look at everything here, I'm going to say, I think this was a really cool chapter to, I don't know if you say Kaiju number 10, Kaiju number 10 <laughs> suit that he exists in now. Like it was just like a really cool, well-executed version of his character. And I, I, I guess that's the one I want to give it to. Uh, my instinct is as well to go with Kaiju number 10. But honestly, I think I have to give it to Fanta uh, from PPPPPP. Just the like brutal, like, oh no, I acknowledge that my mom did love me, but she didn't choose me. So I'm and just holding on to that uh, so bluntly. Um, there were a lot of characters that I could point to and be like, oh, they had this was a really good chapter for them. You know, we you've, you've already been over Shoji, Hina as well. Uh, yeah, Denji just being so stupid. Ichika, like there were a lot of really cool characters this week. Yeah, um, but I don't know something about the way that Fonda was just so straightforward and unforgiving in his assessment of that situation. Uh, that that leaves the most impact for me. I matched a hundred percent with Yuri Gray. With who? Yuri Gray in the chat. They were excited. Oh, cool. You yeah. win that thing. You win my love. Nice. Uh, you win uh, Naputaku's love. He loves you as well. Uh, <laughs> buy something from his restaurant. Uh, there's a lot of ties actually this week uh, with the the audience poll. Blue Box and Kaiju number eight tied for series of the week. And then Shoji and Kaiju number 10 tied for uh, character MVP. So ties all around. Oh, and Undead Unluck apparently also won for series of the week. I'm scrolling past now. It looks like there are a lot more votes uh, later on in the list here. So a three-way tie, it looks like, for first place, or for a series of the week. Yeah, I think people are definitely going to remember that there was a lot of good manga this week. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of good stuff to choose from. Uh, and that is uh, a nice positive note to end yeah. things on this week. Guys, thank you for joining us for the live recording of this show. We do weekly manga recap here at 7.30, roughly Eastern time. Uh, on twitch.tv slash T for the live stream. If uh, you want to know exactly when the show is starting up, you can follow us on social media uh, at Nick F time is me at Rolo T is Quinn and at WMR podcast is just the general podcast account. We put out a 
Barney Gumble gif uh, whenever the stream goes live. Uh, assuming now, that they be fine. Well, Sometimes it's the yeah, one. For, well, for now, uh, we'll be doing that. Who knows what the wild new mm. world of new Twitter will welcome up for us. Are we willing to pay $8 uh, a month so our, our stuff could be it could escape the bots, Nick. That's the only reason why this is happening. It's because of bots. Yeah, it's because it's for the public interest. It's so us peasants can be on equal footing with the bourgeoisie. No one paid. That doesn't make any sense. Why, why, why would you offer people to buy something if just like it doesn't make any sense so stupid oh he's so stupid um nick how you can't say this we have to stop now he might hear this i you don't know who i'm talking about and neither does he because he's so stupid okay (laughs) uh getting past it uh if you want more weekly manga recap stuff guys we are on patreon patreon.com slash weekly manga recap if you want to support the show and uh, get more bonus content uh that we like to record for you guys we are also on youtube youtube.com slash weekly manga recap if you want to watch the video versions of the show that also has some title cards that are done for us by steve man whose work you can find all across the internet including his twitter account twitter.com slash steve man art uh, Naputiku uh, would also yeah. like you to know that we can be found on weeklymagarecap.podbean.com for the show in audio format. And that also gets cross-posted over to all the podcast hosty kind of places like Spotify and iTunes and that kind of stuff. We would like to thank Milo Jack Stillitz and Winston Del Cheddar for creating the opening sequence to the video version of Weekly Manga Recap. And we would also like you guys to know that you can join the Discord server of Weekly Manga Recap join our wonderful community at those that has bi-weekly game nights and uh, discussions of many different ilks some of which have to be associated with actual manga yes sometimes uh, including stuff that we cover for the show and uh, you can also use that to get a link to the google doc maintained by ninja x3i you can use that to look at all sorts of history and statistics associated with the show and make recommendations for future manga for us to cover or ask a question for a future q a episode uh, just all sorts of very helpful information yes uh, big special thanks again to uh, Kirby for Little Deputico. He has uh, brightened my life. He's, he's great. Yes. Yes. Nick, I love you too. I want that to be clear. I don't want you to think that this guy has overtaken my, my affection for you. <laughs> I have room in my heart for both of you. I, I, I'm, gl- I'm glad to know that, and I love you too, buddy. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Warm, warm vibes to close out the episode. Thanks, everyone. Bye, everyone. <laughs>